and welcome to the Rob Burgess Show. I am, of course, your host, Rob Burgess. On this, our third episode, our guest is Zach Samsel. Zach is a proud graduate of Ball State University with a BA in journalism. For the better part of a decade, this Midwest coaster has called Northern California his home with his wife of six years. During the day, you can find him writing grants and managing the environmental programs for a tribe of Native Americans. The rest of the time, he's dangling modifiers and digging through the racks to bring you the latest in streetwear, music, and pop culture for BrotherhoodMag.com. You can find him on Instagram, Twitter, Vine, and Snapchat at Neil Young's Voice. You can find Brotherhood Magazine on Twitter and SoundCloud at Brotherhood Mag and on Instagram at Brotherhood Magazine. You can find more about me by visiting my website, www.thisburgess.com. The official website for The Rob Burgess Show is www.therobburgessshow.com. Follow on Twitter at Rob Burgess Show. Like the page on Facebook and Libsyn at The Rob Burgess Show. Follow on SoundCloud at the-rob-burgess-show. The email for the show is therobburgessshow at gmail.com. A quick programming note. Unlike the first two, the entirety of this particular episode is about a single topic. And that subject is Kanye West. The first 90 minutes are about his career from pre-college dropout until now. The remaining hour or so is about his new album, The Life of Pablo, and beyond. Kanye is a rap artist, and as such, this episode contains explicit language. If all that doesn't sound like anything you might be interested in, you have my permission to skip this episode. No hard feelings. If, however, that does sound like something you might be interested in, you are in for a real treat. When The Life of Pablo was released last month, Zach was the first person I wanted to talk to. And after you hear this episode, I think you'll understand why. And now, on to the show. Hey, Hey, Zach. What's happening, Rob? How you doing, dude? Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, thanks so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, heck yeah, dude. I'm pumped, man. I'm excited. I got notes and all that shit. Oh, I'm so glad you do, too, because I spent all day... I got, like, reporter notebook paper stapled together in front of me right now, just so you know. I love it. I love it. My, I wouldn't say... I don't think mine might be as thorough. I've just got a good page of uh, kind of, like, pros and cons and thoughts and stuff. And, you know, things that I... Ever since you'd talked to me about it, I'd been kind of, you know, putting together a bit of a mental list and just kind of trying to puke it onto the page. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, first we should probably just uh, go ahead and tell people about yourself. Uh, let them know who you are, man. Oh, okay, gotcha. I am Zach Samsel, and I am the uh, Director of Environmental Programs for a Tribe of uh, Native Americans here in Utah, California. In my free time, I'm also the editor of Brotherhood uh, Magazine at brotherhoodmag.com. Check it out. I'm also a connoisseur of all things pop culture and cheesy. 
know, like bad movies, Starship Troopers, all that kind of stuff. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned Starship Troopers because that is absolutely one of my favorite movies. Oh, um, God, dude. We could honestly do an entire installment on Paul Verhoeven and the genius. It goes Showgirls, Robocop, I mean, Hollow Man, heck, you name it. Uh, yeah, it's he's the Gonzo. I mean, I don't even know how to describe his directing style, but it's just it's out of control. It's it's just like uh, we, we, anyway. That's another podcast. You're right. That's that is a whole. That's a whole. We could we'd have to cut out the phone lines to stop ourselves from it's, talking about that. I, mean, one. I, like, I always tell people, I'm like, man, I don't know. You know, like top four or five directors. I you know, in no particular order, you probably got like Kubrick, Hitchcock. Scorsese, possibly Verhoeven, and then, like, I mean, at least in my opinion, I love his movies. I'm sorry, they're great. He knows, uh, he is one of those people, he knows how to uh, not take himself too seriously, and I like that. Oh, man, all I know is you put, uh, what is it, a bomb down a hole and you got a lot of dead bugs. <laughs> exactly, yes. Boom. Jake Busey. That's it, folks, enjoy the podcast. Bird just, just murdered that. <laughs> All right, man. But, um, yeah, so as far as Kanye goes, I think the, what would probably be the best to do, and I think kind of would explain, because I, I really think this latest album has um, probably got something in it from every period of his career. And it's probably the most, uh, it's the fruit salad of his life, as, as Dr. Ben Carson once said on the debate stage. Um, <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> he, uh, he has a decades-long career now. That's funny to say. I never thought I'd say that that i mean about kanye west i mean let's just go back all the way to before the for everything when was the first time you heard of kanye west and how did you first become aware of his you know whatever uh it was through the through his productions and stuff because i would say probably 2002 2003 i mean he had been doing you know there were beats that were popular like in 99 and stuff but in college you know you kind of uh really developed that love of music and you know, I think that he did, like, uh, the H to the OV, Izzo, Hova beat, uh, some of those. And, you know, I'd always been interested in who made the beats because that was always what made hip-hop cool to me. And so we kind of started noticing Kanye West's name. And then you'd notice the sped-up soul samples, and that kind of became, like, the sound just, like, you know, in 2013 and everything was mustered on that beat, you know, and now everything's Metro Boomin. Uh, it was just kind of, you know what I mean, that thing. So fell in love with that. And then I remember my roommate at the time, uh, Emery, he was like grinding hard on the rap blog in those days. And so I remember listening to a demo. It was kind of like uh, at the end of uh, College Dropout uh, when he spits that that big mayonnaise colored bends like Push Miracle Whip. Oh, wait, wait. I gotta stop you right uh, there because in front of me I have written down on the second page at the very bottom under the heading Last Call mayonnaise colored bends I Push Miracle Whips. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Because um, that I'd heard that like because not the way that it was on College Dropout. There was another version that was actually him trying to do that as a song itself. Oh, really? And that was the very first thing that I heard, and then some of the leaks. I think of like Through the Wire, and then Through the Wire had a video immediately because that was also when we were watching MTV Jams all the 
all the time. Mm-hmm. Sorry, is this podcast listed as explicit? Dude, I don't want to drop little bombs. Speak, uh, speak your truth, man. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I'm not going to try to cuss like a sailor, but I just want to. No, no, no. Like, like I just think like uh, if it comes up, it comes up, and you know, if worse comes to worst, I'll put a explicit or whatever. And then oh, I love the kitties can stay away. Twitter, stamp it. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Well, I think I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. Um, probably through the wire, probably cut through more than anything. Of course, I do remember him, I think it was in the H to the OV video where he showed, and I, it just stuck in my mind. I don't, it was, was this the video where he like just came on screen? It was like, hey, I've tattooed every song name I've ever produced on my forearm. Remember? Do you remember that part in the I video? Feel, yeah, actually, I think that you're correct in that one because I also remember him being in, I think it was the Kill a Cam video right around then. Mm. I mean, he was doing, it was pretty strategic, and he knew what the hell he was doing, because it was, I mean, at that time, uh, diplomats like Cameron and all of them, they were also on, uh, I think it was Def Jam, or, because Jay-Z honestly switched labels so often, but whatever the hell label Jay-Z was on at the time, that they were on, diplomats were on there as well, and since Kanye was producing all of that stuff, he was just kind of poking around in videos, and I remember seeing him more and more, you know, because he was always the one that was like the most stylish and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think, you know, if he, even if he had never rapped, I think he would still be a legend for his uh, his production. And, you know, even if he never did anything past the sped up soul samples, chopped up, you know, like that, like even, that would be more contribution than most producers could ever claim. And that would be like Hall of Fame. Like you say, like, you know, uh, it, well, I mean, we were talking on the first episode about Jay Dilla a little bit. And he, if, say, Kanye had died in that car wreck, you know, would we think of him uh-huh. as a Jay Dilla-like figure? And he would be this, like, production Buddha on the hill. Necessarily the uh, type of catalog on his computer and stuff that is as widespread as, and, like, continue, you know, like, because Dilla, it's like, I feel it's almost as if sometimes he's not gone because all these funky bonus albums come out, and then you get more beats, you know? I don't know if Kanye necessarily had that. Hmm. Uh, type of catalog going on, but I think that you would always, you would always signify 1999 to 2004-ish as that sped up soul sample era that was like dominated by Kanye just as the mustard on the bee era, all of that crap. Yeah. Sure, sure. But anyway, well, that, uh, oh, uh, before I move on to the college dropout, um, you once told me when we worked together that you had a CD of pre-college dropout material, like where he was rapping, and there was a, yeah. there was a group that he was in with, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, but uh, was it GLC, Consequence, and Rhymefest? Called the Go Getters. I, I was honestly, I remember Consequence. The, the other names, uh, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part is those names actually sound familiar, and mm-hmm. so that does sound that that sounds dead on. Because actually, the to go back to the that first song that I'd ever heard that was the mayonnaise colored Ben's freestyle that was over a different beat or whatever that was I was saying my roommate was grinding on all the blogs at the time and he actually had found that and a bunch of other stuff which I believe is the album that we're talking about from circa whenever you and I uh, worked together right exactly so 
college dropout was 2004, and that was right smack in the middle of my college. So, yeah, that, that definitely hit home in a, in a definite way. And then I really think the first time I saw that through the wire video, I was like, yep, I'm all in. <laughs> oh, exactly. It was awesome. Like, I loved it because I was listening to hippie music at the time, and so I liked all of the soul samples, you know, because it was all the hippie bands were always, you know, trying to cover slipping into darkness and that type of shit. That's funny you say hippie because I feel like the first person to mention it to me was this, like, friend of mine at the time who was like a straight like he's sorry he missed 1977 punk like he was throwing back all the time but anyway and he was like yeah man you gotta listen to through the wire and i was like what you usually like try to get me to listen to lou reed and stuff <laughs> like, that's hilarious because see i've always maintained that, that hippies and really just white people in general are always low-key rap fans <laughs> That when it comes time, it's like, yeah, okay, Jerry's guitar solo is over, and let's put on the Chronic 1999 or whatever. You know? <laughs> There's a lot of crossover for sure. Yeah, um, I'm just I mean, glad. Was like, me, God, if I was in the parking lot of the Fish Show, we were always beating up rap music. I couldn't handle it. There's only so much talking heads you can do, you know. <laughs> well, you mentioned Fish, so do you want to say uh, how? I mean, you are probably one of the bigger Fish fans I know. <laughs> well, thank you. I have to say, though, I have, since the reuniting, I've kind of fallen into retirement a bit compared to some of my friends. So I'm, at this point, I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I still love the band and stuff, but man, I haven't seen them since 2013. They've been here a couple times, and I just have not been that interested. Well, I mean, this is a sad thing to say, but it is maybe true that since Trey got sober, maybe they don't jam quite as much as they used to. Is that the consensus? I, I mean, I would say so. And that's, you know, if anybody is listening that is a fish fan, this sounds like such a tired internet response, but this is just how I've felt since that happened, is that, yeah, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have the whole feeling of anything is po- as anything is possible anymore. It feels a lot more predictable. You could go to the shows at Dick's uh, in Colorado every Labor Day weekend, and those would feel like the old days, because they do crazy stuff, you know, weird set lists where the first letter of every song spells out like a sentence and crazy shit like that, but the rest of the time, it's hit or miss, you know? I mean, since they got back together, I've been to twice as many crap shows as I've been to really good ones, and so eventually it just got kind of pointless, especially after you've seen a band, you know, 50 60 times that's the law of diminishing marginal utility is it applies no matter how much you love a band. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually think that we might go to Colorado this year for Labor Day because I mean, even though it's kind of crazy to travel for a band like that, kind of want to see some people that are there and stuff. And I haven't done like the whole fish family reunion, bro, with a pH. Uh, <laughs> I think that sounds pretty kick-ass. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay, well, anyway, back to Kanye West and the college dropout. So, yes. Exactly. Uh, back to Pablo in a room full of hoes. Yeah, we're going to get all the way there. I just want to make sure when we get there, because, I mean, some people just know Kanye West as being this pop culture figure, and I didn't really, I, it kind of dawned on me slowly that he was a pop culture figure, but I was first aware of him in a totally musical sense. Like, I didn't, I wasn't familiar with his, like, you know, whatever persona, you know what I mean? Like, I, I just liked oh, his exactly. music. And that really didn't, I don't think that developed until the second album, um, whatever in the hell it was called, when Gold Digger was really blowing up and the VMAs were in Miami that year and he showed up looking like a freaking Coke dealer in those aviator glasses and the all white jacket. <laughs> I remember that was when Kanye went to like the next level because Gold Digger was so 
it was like you could just tell the rawness of college dropout had finally gotten a budget and like some extra producers and eyes to be able to sharpen and focus like his mm-hmm. insane uh, creations because that's always like what you hope. At least that's how I approach second albums. You know, okay. it's usually they got a budget. Let's look for some more precision. Mm-hmm. And that was, I mean, dude, Gold Digger beat is still like otherworld. But you can come out with that song right now and melt brain. Yeah, um, <laughs> Gold Gold Digger is one of those songs that like we would have these uh, parties at my uh, college apartment, and because the people would like commandeer the playlist, and of course people would play uh, the uh, Gold Digger song like a thousand times. Like they would just uh, commandeer the computer and be like, "Hey, let's go back on the playlist and look at Gold Digger again." Let everybody get. <laughs> oh God, yeah. That's I was gonna say in college. I remember I we kind of set the mental quota of if you only hear it four times in the night, that's. Uh, you just won. <laughs> exactly. It was just a, it was uh, college was particularly lousy with, and I mean that in the with numerous sense of with uh, with uh, you know a gold digger. But anyway, not oh, to get exactly. yeah. that was why I tried to perfect the art of the playlist because I if you get sick of the shit, just take matters into your own hands. You yeah, know what I mean. For sure, for sure. Well, not yeah. That's when you're talking about the pop culture persona. We're bringing it back to the the concept. The pop culture persona for me. That was when he started to really establish himself, and things started getting a little bit more outspoken. But that's not. I mean, that's no Taylor Swift moment. We all know that. I mean, the Taylor Swift moment is like the apex. Oh, absolutely, definitely. Well, let's uh, let's finish talking about college dropout real quick, just get, only because I wrote down all these notes. And you guided the ship because honestly, I'm just kind of playing jazz here. I have mostly just notes about uh, the life of Pablo and then just general knowledge. Oh, okay. Anyway, so the intro on college dropout was uh, a Bernie Mac impersonator. I thought it was Bernie Mac for a long time. Um, uh, I believe the comedian's name is D-Ray something. He comes back. Oh, yeah, D-Ray Davis. He is the freaking best, man. He was on uh, Nick Cannon's Wild and Out around that time. Okay. That that kind of gave him his big jump off. And, I, man, I loved him on Wild and Out. He was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and then the first track, which, of course, just is a banger, is We Don't Care. Um, we got uh, All Falls Down uh, later on, which is, you know, again, the, establishing the anti-education theme that he really really goes for in this. <laughs> uh, oh, definitely. Definitely. That's a, I mean, honestly, All Falls Down, that's probably the best song on the album right there. You think so? I think so. That was the song that, you know, the thing that made Kanye cool at the time, I mean, even though not everybody could conceptualize it, it was how he made, he would bring to life things that were happening for all sorts of people, whether you were a black kid or a white kid, it it felt like you could relate, and it wasn't just dorky, you know, white kid college rap like Jurassic 5 or some shit. And so, I, and that I think all falls down was the best example of that, you know, because it's like talking about loving a girl that was, you know, addicted to shopping, couldn't find anything better out of her life, that mm-hmm. whole situation. And I think that no matter what anybody would say, they would see something in their life about that. And that honestly also made Kanye a little bit more uh, sincere than what had been going on in the years up to that, because, I mean, that was before, that was like the Master Pierre, and it was all just, you know, na-na-na-na, bling-bling crap. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, next up was Spaceship, which I always loved, that song. Oh, yeah, dude, I used to listen to that delivering pizzas. I thought that was, like, my, uh, that that song, like, <laughs> spoke to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, anytime you're working, like, a crappy job, you know, that definitely was your, your anthem as far as, uh, you know. Uh, next up was Jesus Walks. Now, what did you think of Jesus Walks when it came out? Oh, I loved Jesus Walks. That was just a banger. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't really... The truth was, I mean, I even at that point took it with a grain of salt. Because I've always taken, like, rap music, if you're a fan of it for life and you've watched the videos, you've seen countless videos that are to be continued that I'm still waiting for the second freaking half, you know? (laughs) And so you start taking everything... you, You know, you keep everything at arm's length. And so the whole... That whole idea that the... You know, because a lot of the press leading up to the release of the Jesus Walks video and stuff was about how Kanye was, you know, religious, and he was really going to keep that part of his game, and I just the whole time thought, uh, yeah, right, we'll see what happens. Which, you know, it's it's been an element, but let's be real, there's been no other songs even remotely in the realm of Jesus Walks. Right. He, But, I mean, <laughs> not, to, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but this is another running theme for Kanye, is the whole Jesus-God metaphor, he, he's... On the you know, like we don't want to get too far into this, but on on Jesus, he does, uh, you know, he does proclaim he is God now. So he goes from Jesus walks to there, and then you know, anyway, there's a million little things we could talk about with his faith or whatever. Uh, but it's definitely right. a theme that that reoccurs, I think. Then we have the uh, Never Let Me Down with the Jiga appearance. We have um, Oh Get 'Em High, which I love that song. Oh yeah, that was enough. That was one of those everybody rushed to learn the words, and then that was also ruined by college. Well, lo- ruined by everyone learning the words and then playing the song at the party as to show that they know the words as if anyone ever got laid doing that. <laughs> so you're, you're saying when when uh, when people were like sort of like alcoholics, you know, the ladies were... Oh, like... exactly. Every last... Every, you know what I mean? That was like everybody's thing. And honestly, I love when rap... That's like I look for rap songs that can do that, where I can imagine people chanting certain lines and stuff because you need anthems in your rotation. You know, there's bangers, there's knockers, slappers, anthems, and definitely uh, that was one of them. And so it was like I just knew once the album had come out, you know, I try to, like, wear those out in my mind early mm-hmm. so that I can have time to enjoy it and then just let everybody else kind of ruin it because you know it's coming. Sure, exactly. Um, of course, then we had a workout plan, which uh, I will be ever, forever grateful for for introducing me to the phrase free 99. Um, oh, definitely. God, who still doesn't, you know what I mean, say that? That's, that's, there's an example of uh, creating cultural relevancy. I mean, something that's almost really like a cliche now. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, we had Slow Jams with a Z, which, of course, was, I think, the, either the follow-up single or the... Um, yeah, that was the second single because it was Through the Wire and then Slow Jams was the big deal because mm-hmm. Twisted was so popular at the time. Man, it made me want to slit my wrist. Oh, no. Uh, got a light-skinned friend, looks like Michael Jackson, of course. Great line. Um, yeah. We've got, okay, Breathe In, Breathe Out. I always love that song. Oh, yeah, that was actually, that's like one of the low-key buttercuts on there. <laughs> that is. Yeah. A low buttercut, you know, that's something that Ed, a lot of times if you want, like, if you are around a bunch of Kanye stands and you want to try and flex, 
and play something, that could be a good spot to start. A lot of people are just going to try and go with some random you know, stuff from 808s and think they're going to melt your brain as if that album was just so long ago. But I think you could you know, knock some jaws to the floor with that. I think so, I think so. Okay, then we've got the three-track arc of the School Spirit skit, School Spirit song, and then there's a coda with uh, the little Jimmy's all sad because he's got student loans or whatever. Um, I I think it's funny because I had a pirated version of the college dropout when it came out. I didn't buy it. And that song was always edited, and none of the other songs were edited on the album. And today, when I listen back on a playlist on YouTube, once again, that song was the only edited one. And I'm wondering, is that just the way it always was in the album? I actually think that might have been the way that it always was. I mean, I haven't honestly thought about the college dropout in a while. Yeah, I hadn't either, but it's it's so weird to me because the song right before it... I'm super sharp on it, but that sounds something like something very familiar and a note that I think that we, my friends and I made in college as well. I only bring that up because I once mentioned to you that I had the Black Star album. What was that album called? Black on Book... no, 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 most death was black on yeah. both sides. I think the Black Star album is just called Black Star. Oh, okay. Well, I had that, uh, I, that was another pirate, I, I, I had, I had a radio show, I had to pirate a lot of music to, to keep up. Um, that's my, oh, that's yeah. my defense in court anyway. Um, but. Oh, that- you're fine. This is, I mean, honestly, this is why they've made streaming so awesome. You know, like, I mean, I don't even pirate anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. There's no point, really. Um, Although I did pirate the life of Pablo. Well, you had to. I mean, that, yeah. That'll be exactly. That'll be. That's that's an element for discussion later. Oh my God, we're gonna so get into that. Um. Anyway, I told you on Black Star that um. What what is the uh, one two three? You know that song? Yeah. Uh, definition. Okay. There's a redefinition, right? Yeah, of course. They follow each other on the album. Uh, not on the uh, not on the one I, not on the pirated version that I made on my desktop computer in college it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that that track existed until you told me about it. Oh my god, that's amazing. I'm not surprised though. Cause man, back then it was it's not like now where you have this race of people to digitally create the first, the V0 that goes on what or you know whatever torrent site is popular mm-hmm. uh, now you now you know it's thousands of people racing for that back then i mean honestly there would really only be four people on the internet with the capability of like encoding mp3s and shit and it would end up being that just two or three riffs of a song would ever make circulation i swear yeah Exactly. Oh, we we could have a whole. Like, I mean, how many times did you hear like a version of? I mean, I can't think of some pop song from the year two thousand, but of somebody else's song or somebody else's burn CD, and the the MP3 popped in the same spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was it made everything into a small freaking world. <laughs> Yeah, we could talk all day, I'm sure, about uh, mid and early 2000s uh, sailing the high seas of, uh, of of internet piracy, but... <laughs> yeah, definitely. I was going to say, get us back on track here. I'm sorry. I no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that because I'm not enjoying this, because I am. I could, I could do this all night. And, and I just want to point out first, because before we go any further, um, people need to look up Real Talk Live, the episode that Zach was on, um, because that will give a good foundation. We're not 
going to cover that same ground because he gave a pretty thorough breakdown of the Twitter meltdowns that Kanye's had. Although I will admit, before I called you, I did check Kanye's Twitter to make sure nothing, uh, you know, nothing else had happened. And I think I see a few new tweets, but I think we can we can take care of it. But, <laughs> oh yeah, that, yeah, I was going to say it's not been anything that related to like that the album itself, you know, more just weirdness. Sure, exactly. We're going to talk about this supposed next album that's never going to come. Kind of mm-hmm. like the freaking uh, follow-up to that cru- Cruel Summer album. He was like, oh, yeah, dude, we're going to do Cruel Winter. It's coming out in November. Dude, it's 2016, still waiting. Yeah, uh, Good Fridays would be even gooder if uh, they made it more regular. Exactly. That was hilarious. Kim's like, oh, yeah, Kanye's going to be giving away downloads every Friday, and it ended up being like three songs. And every time Kanye'd put it up and then hate the mix of it and then take it down, oh, man, I swear, his indecision. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, anyway, getting back to the – we're almost done with the college wrap-up. Um, okay. And, I, and we won't do this with every album. I just wanted to lay the foundation because, uh, you, okay, know, the, you know, College Dropout was a huge album for me, and it basically just made me – I will forever, no matter what Kanye does, uh, love him for what he did, you know, coming out the gate. And I think a lot of people will. People, you know, it, we don't want to talk too much about it right now, but on the new album there is a great little acapella – thing uh with the i miss kanye or, or you know what i'm talking about oh of course yeah um well i don't i don't i've got i've got more to say about that later but anyway uh so two words uh with uh just a ugh, face melter just uh, i mean come on it was it was a very good one but i i got burned out on that one real quick oh really did, did it get overplayed for you two word fans Hmm. Words fan, yeah. Interesting. Um, let's see. We got family business. Last call. We we of course covered the mayonnaise color bins. All right. Late late registration. Now the thing about late registration for you is that I think you told me once that you didn't care for the transition and that you thought it was Kanye trying to be the idea of Kanye or something along those lines. Yeah, definitely. I still stand by that as being the worst album. Hmm. Even though it had, like, his, you know, I, I don't think that actually Gold Digger turned out to be his biggest song or whatever, but um, I definitely think that, that that album, honestly, it's kind of funny you say that, because that album kind of brings up some of my qualms with the most recent album. I, so I don't want to I don't want to get too far into it, but yeah, late registration never really did it for me. It was one of those that it, uh, it didn't have that flow to it, and it definitely wasn't as raw. And at that time, at that age, I still wanted complete rawness. You know, that's like that's early twenties in a nutshell. Yeah, basically, um, you know, I would, you know, after a while, you know, here's the thing about this album is that I definitely listened to it all the way through several times. But the more I listened to it, the more I would just skip to certain songs. Um, like I would always uh, play uh, Drive Slow. I would oh, always, of course. I was going to say you're talking uh, one of that's like a top ten Kanye song. Maybe. I would almost argue maybe top seven. I would go higher than ten. <laughs> I love it. I would go top six and a half. Um, but we have crack music. I always listen to that one. Um, let's see. I, Diamonds from Sierra Leone was a big one. That was huge for me. Oh yeah, that one was a banger. I still like that video too. That video was straight drama. Absolutely. Uh, we major. I always love that song. 
Oh, yeah, that was a banger. That was like a fun one. I remember always hoping to get to hear that, like at the bar or the club back in the day. Yeah. Um, there was a Diamonds from Sierra Leone without the Jay-Z verse at the end. I could, you know, it was okay to hear it again, but, you know, it's Jay-Z's fine, too. You know? <laughs> exactly. Honestly, that's one of those songs. It isn't incredible. Not like Jay-Z's verse is bad. It's not incredibly enhanced by him at that time, though. I was definitely so into Jay-Z that that was the one that we would listen to. I remember actually uh, my buddy Emery bought me a copy of Late Registration, and then we ripped it and then included the Jay-Z one instead or something like that. It was like custom. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> but I remember me and my uh, roommate, Jonathan, who I actually just spoke to on episode two, um, we used to sit in his bedroom and listen to that song and, like, break down every verse and be like, you know, he's talking about diamonds, but he's also talking about Rockefeller. And, you know, Rockefeller, is it breaking up? Is Jay-Z, since he's going to be president of Def Jam, does that mean um, they're, he's no longer with, and what's happening with Damon Dash? Um, you know what I mean? Like, we were, we were all, like, connecting it, and it's like, yeah, but he's talking about a real thing with blood diamonds, but he's not, you know what I mean? There's, but the, we were like, but there's oh, yeah. layer to it. <laughs> oh, exactly. That was a, that definitely was one of the better examples of the time that he's got, you know, layers to it, like a freaking onion. Absolutely. Um, the rest of the album, I think, you know, Gone was good. Um, but yeah, the rest of the album is kind of filler, honestly. Oh yeah, I was going to say, I would literally have to look it up to even think about what the rest of the tracks were. Yeah, exactly. Like, none of these are really... Revisited, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing with Kanye albums. Some of them are way more revisitable than others. Um, exactly. Uh, there was a late orchestration, it looks like, which was a live album. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I have no knowledge of that. Recorded at Abbey Road Studios. Anyway, um, not an official album, but just a one-off. Anyway, okay, so Graduation. Um, now, Graduation was interesting because um, this came out September 11, 2007, and we were both working together at that time, and this is when I knew you liked Kanye as much as I did, is that the day it came out, you had a copy for me. Oh, yeah! That's, uh, man, I remember, because that's the one with the, uh, oh, God, who is that artist that did? Because that's the one with the shooting bear. Yes. God, who is that artist, man? I wish I could remember. Um, if I wasn't on my phone, I'd be Googling. I mean, I could Google, because I got that AT&T. <laughs> but, uh... Either way, yeah, that's, oh god, that was, that was like a renaissance for me, honestly. I really needed that album. Takashi Murakami. There we go. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You and your nimble fingers. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just track after track, just exactly what I wanted from Kanye, um, reaffirmed my faith. Because honestly, if, if second album comes out, I only, I only think fondly of the second album because there was a strong third album. Um, I probably would be like, ugh, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, and I would still give lay registration an above average grade, you know. If this was IMDb, I'd give it a six. It's something that I've watched and didn't want to, you know, right. die. But yeah. I also won't catch it when it's on HBO again. Yeah. Well, I think one thing you've alluded to, and we should just come out and say, is we are probably both fitting the profile of Kanye stands. And anything we say definitely. Is, is definitely uh, tempered by that. Because if we say an extreme thing, you know, understand that, you know, we still, the, Kanye on his worst day is still better than most everything else, right? Exactly. 
So we're not even like saying it's bad music. It's just like bad for Kanye. It's, a, it's he's set such a high bar for himself that we can't help but like wish everything was you know a banger. So. Yeah, it's just one of those things that happens. I mean, I think that happens. I like I've always followed Dr. Dre's career. I don't like him as much as Kanye, but every time he would come out with an album, I would expect him to completely change rap in general because of it, you know? I mean, that's that's what you want your way pavers to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could list, like, every... like. This is one of those that... I love albums like this. You put it on, and you do not have to skip one song. No, that, was, that definitely was... I remember thinking a lot about how, even though the sound was not a return to college dropout, it was returning to college dropout in the sense that it was cohesive, it flowed, and every song just made you want more, you know? Mm-hmm. Now looking at the track listing, uh, it occurs to me that Good Morning and uh, the, the first song on the last album were very similar, and it's almost like he was like, I didn't do that right, I need to do it again. Um, oh, that's a, good, that's a really good notion. I hadn't, because I haven't really like sat here and gone through the timeline like that, but now that we are, that's actually a good point, and I can see that being the case. Totally, totally, because it actually occurred to me that I thought those were the same song for a long time, um, and, it, and I, when I went back and listened to Rage, Late Registration, only then I did I remember that it was Adam Levine from Maroon 5, um, and then uh, Good Morning has Elton John oh, and Bernie yeah, Taupin on it. He was, like, trying to make Adam Levine pop off. Oh, that's, that, that's another albatross around the neck of uh, Late Registration, I think. Oh, definitely, definitely. It was one of those, you know, Kanye's always, like, trying to bring in those features that are just going to totally melt things, you know. We're going to get there, but I think this is uh, probably the beginning as far as him just bringing in people because he can bring in people. Um, I I don't want to get into this too far right now, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't either because I have, like, a a whole kind of illusion I want to make. About, about the life of Pablo. Okay, well, let's, let's know, put a pin on that. has more features than usual, and features that are kind of from left field. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about it. If it didn't say the name of the person, I would have no idea that it was them. Definitely. It's one of those everybody's kind of crafted into a different, into almost a different version, like the way that Kanye would see them. So good morning. That's kind of a rehash of the last one, but better, I think. It's just a great table setting for the album. It gets you in the mood. Um, exactly. Champ- that's one of those, the yeah. first track is good on his album, and you have your, and usually they are, but not always. And I think that in this case, it was one of those, you knew the album was going to be lit. Mm-hmm. So then we have Champion, which was appropriately, you know, triumphant and got you pumped and was a, was a good, strong, you know, second song on the album. Uh, Stronger, of course, is the huge uh, Daft Punk collabo single, just, you know, face melter for everybody. Um, and then, of course, we got I Wonder, which is a great song. Uh, good Life, which I always loved. That's that single that was with T-Pain. Uh, can't Tell Me Nothing. Zach? Hello? Hey, sorry. Oh. Phone somehow dropped the call. It's weird. Oh, that's okay. It's, it's freaking storming so bad here. We're going to have, like, we've river flood watches and all that type of shit. So if it happens a couple times, apologize. This is also what I get for shouting out AT&T. <laughs> I talk shit about something. 
it always goes to hell. This is why I can't. I have to wear the team gear after the team wins because I can't wear it during the game because they'll sure as shit go to hell. <laughs> well, it's all good, man. What was the last thing we were talking about? Uh, we were going back through uh, graduation. I think we were about at uh, Good Life with uh, T Pain. Yeah, so I love I love that single. That was, that's honestly that's still one of those. I when it comes on. Uh, when they do like a throwback, which is funny now that it's a throwback, but when they do a throwback on XM and play that, I still get a little litty. <laughs> yeah, that's always a fun one when it comes on anywhere, the radio or wherever. Um, yeah, I'm, let's not lie, but let's go on a love spree might be one of the greatest. I mean, that's like freaking Salinger or something. You know, I, I'm not thinking of some genius author off the top of my head right now, but you know sure. what I mean? That's it's poetry. Absolutely. Um, so then we have Can't Tell Me Nothing, which I was always into for a couple of reasons. Can't Tell Me Nothing still bangs, dude. Oh, man. Yeah, and if you think about, like, you know, the ad lib that he uses from Jeezy, um, uh, just as a side note, I was really into the first Young Jeezy album and subsequently at, less. At this time, Jeezy was super huge, so it's not surprising. Cause that's, I mean, you always see Kanye's album as kind of like a taste thing mm-hmm. where he's you know kind of sampling flavors of the month and like bringing in those uh types of situations to suit what is the, the moment you know yeah exactly but it was it was always interesting to me because i was always waiting for jeezy to rhyme and he never did it was just his ad-libs that he sprinkled in his song and i thought that was so genius because i always loved jeezy's ad-libs almost in retrospect maybe more than his rhymes Oh, definitely. Jeezy is one of those, I put him in kind of like the Rick Ross category. I like him a lot. I like his music. I couldn't tell you one Jeezy line. It's more, I like the lifestyle, the ambiance, the ad-libs. You know what I mean? The same goes for Rick Ross. You know, really, you're just waiting for the, oh. Yeah, right? And he, you know, and, and to mention one of our other favorite rappers, E-40, who I did see in Kokomo, Indiana recently, weirdly. That's awesome. Oh, my God, that would be hilarious. Um, but, but it, you know, you're listening to E-40 maybe 20% of the time just because you want to hear, ooh, you know? <laughs> oh, exactly. And you're just looking for that next that next slang, you know, oh. like, how are we going to talk about this, you know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we could do another I'm hour on... talking about broccoli in the air and oil up in my cup, you know? Oh. It doesn't get much more visual than that. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, we could do another hour on E-40, I'm sure. Um, oh, definitely. Shit, that makes me want to put some broccoli in the air. But, um, so we have Barry Bonds, which I thought was a, a great song. Also, uh, featuring... It Lil- was all right, but as a rap, like, because, I, I mean, I would say that I... I, you're very eclectic in what you're listening to. You know, like you've probably listened to a guitar this month. I have not. <laughs> you know, I'm primarily rap, and I have to say that Barry Bonds was the letdown of the album. Lil Wayne was so hot at the time, and that song could have banged so much harder. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine a some sort of the vibe of Lollipop, which would come the next year, mm. but with, I mean, because imagine the Lollipop remix with Kanye. Ooh. Think about if something like that could have preceded Lollipop mm-hmm. and how much better Lollipop would have been. Now you see why Barry Bonds was a bit of like a just the tip situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But um, speaking of Lollipop, you introduced me to maybe the one of the greatest remixes ever, which was the was it the Glitch Mob remix or was it the? It was 
It was a dude from the Glitch Mob and then another guy from San Francisco, the uh, Nasty Ways. They were, honestly, they're kind of like one of those funny, there's not too often those electronic one-hit wonders, but that was basically it. They did a little EP, but it was, I mean, you're never even going to get to the realm of the Lollipop remix. Like an eight-minute laser opera. It was great, man. But anyway, that's, again, we, I, I'm, you know, I hope we come back and, and talk about all these things for, for a long time, because we, we really keep bringing up things that we need to do entire other podcasts about. Exactly. Um, so I, I'm trying to, like, just pull in the reins, because I don't want to get a you know, we want to keep this on a uh, Kanye West theme. Exactly. <laughs> like, a, relevant right now. like a, I don't want to del- deluge people, because, I mean, you and I used to sit feet from each other for hours, and we would just talk pop culture endlessly. And, you know, like I, I don't know how many other people are prepared to go in every direction all at once like that. So. Exactly. That's, I, I was, with our familiarity, we can get a little bit spastic, so I do apologize to anyone that's, you know, getting motion sick from keeping keeping up with <laughs> no but yeah no that's that's part of why i wanted to have you on to talk about kanye because i knew that you would have just such a deep well that we could draw from and i'm, I'm so glad oh, that it's happening so um oh it, real quick i thought about this when i was trying to call back i don't i think that it honestly i think that calling us stands and i mean maybe i'm I guess maybe that could be defensive, but I'm thinking, I don't know if we're necessarily in the category of stands. I consider stands to be yes men that will lap up anything without criticism. Hmm. And that's, I mean, I've followed his career forever, and I would say that he is one of my favorites. But I also would be more than happy, just like if we tore apart late registration. Sure. To, you know what I mean? To, you know, call it like I see it as opposed to just absolutely. Uh, loving it. Yeah, no, no. I guess maybe all I meant by that was that we will always have a thumb on the scale for Kanye because he had an influence for us at a very certain time in our lives and, you know, we'll always forever, however long we live, we'll always think, man, you know, I had some really good times listening to Kanye when I was this age, you know. Um, Definitely. So I think that, that, but that's true for everybody. You know, it's like, it's the same as being, you know, being a bit of like a homer for a team that you like or something in that same realm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Except Kanye's only become more prominent in pop culture since since we were in college. So. Definitely. Um, but anyway, so we've got Drunken Hot Girls, which I always thought was the low point of the album. Um, oh, definitely. Drunken Hot Girls is a god-awful song. Yeah, it's an embarrassing song and is the only song in the album, now that I'm looking at it, which featured side production from John Bryan, which who did the entire registration album that we just tore to shreds. Um, so, Flashing Lights was an amazing song, I thought. It was, like, could have been a ten-minute song, I thought. Really could have stretched that one out. Oh, definitely. The, the Flashing Lights is, I mean, you're talking top five. Sure. Yeah, I would go, I would go top five for that. That beat blew everybody's mind. I mean, people from electronic kids to hip-hop heads. It, it, because also at the time, you know, that, um... Synthesizers were super popular, even in you know, band, with bands and stuff. You know mm-hmm. that kind of started that whole uh, disco pop, dream pop revolution with like MGMT and all that type of stuff. A few years thereafter, mm-hmm. so I think that was one of those. That was kind of a earth shattering beat. I agree, man. That was. That was I mean, that, I probably pl- replayed that song the most times out of any song on the album. Like just gone back to the beginning and just played it one more oh, yeah. time. Yeah, um, that's the. You know, if every album has that 
the biggest standout. That's definitely the mm-hmm. biggest standout to me. Everything I am was a you know good chill track with DJ Premier on the on the ones and twos. Um, we have uh, the glory, which you know whatever. Um, Homecoming, which was okay. So this is kind of the start of what we were talking about with the special guest stars. I mean, not the start, but for me, like mm-hmm. they put, he put it on Front Street um, that Chris Martin is singing the hook on Homecoming. And then, do you want to explain the Jay Z connection to that song? The. God, I don't remember. I'm actually sitting here trying to think about the reception to because I remember kind of being okay with Chris Martin doing that. Oh no, it wasn't. It wasn't an Adam Levine situation in any way. That's not what I was saying. I was just saying like I can't remember who did it first. But what I was trying to imply is that in the Homecoming song, I don't remember he maybe he mentions it in the Big Brother song, but he talks about how which is the last song in the album. Um, he talks about how. He got Chris Martin on a song, and then Jay Z got uh, Chris Martin on a song. Like after that, and it's like, oh, my big brother, you 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 copied me or whatever, you know. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Because honestly, by that, I remember at that point thinking of them, you know, synonymous with one another. So I remember not even judging that fact. Oh, I wasn't judging it, but it was. Kanye it, is, <laughs> well, that I mean, Kanye was, and so I'm not surprised that he did. You know, that definitely sounds like something that could, you know, rub him raw. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, so that takes care of uh, graduation, which again was 2007, and then we have a pretty dramatic shift, I think. And I've heard a theory, and I think uh, it makes sense to me. Um, Want to see what you thought of this? That his albums run in cycles of three. Um, so he has uh, college dropout, uh, late registration, graduation. That's a cycle. And then after graduation, which brings us to our next entry, which is 2008, 808s and Heartbreak, um, that was a whole new thing for Kanye. Um, that Definitely. Was, that was a break with everything he had done up to that point. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, by far. That was This was the album where he really started polarizing people. Absolutely, man. I mean, not as if he didn't always, you know, kind of, you know, his braggadocious ways rub people wrong and that type of shit. But this was one where the album, it turned into, and granted, this was also kind of reflective of the internet at the time that it was growing more popular and uh, there was more instant feedback. But it was one of those that it was a love it or hate it album by far. I was in the love it category, but I say that with an asterisk because I could never hear this album again, and I would be fine. I don't never need to listen to this album again. Um, See, that, I love it. This is interesting because I uh, this to me is like a top three Kanye album. But what? But what? Uh, what does it do for you musically? Because I, it was it was a break with what he'd done before, which is fine. I'm glad that he's evolving and doing different things. Um, he obviously. Well, see, this was a great break because. Uh, the 808 clap, the like, that that clap was so prevalent because the Dirty South was running the rap world at the time. You know, I mean, Little Wayne was so popular. Like, go back and listen to Lollipop. That has a bunch of the like 
clapping it. And it's it's fine. It was super popping at the time, but it was just it I had grown so tired of it. It felt raps felt so stale. And so for Kanye to strip it down like that, I mean honestly it was the perfect time for him to go from top of the world with graduation, banging Amber Rose, get completely heartbroken and create an album that is goes against everything he does. It was perfect timing for that situation. You couldn't have written that better. Honestly, like shout out Amber Rose because she probably created the modern Kanye. Yeah, yeah. No, it was an earth shattering album, and, and you're right. It was a really divisive album among Kanye people that were you know following his I career. I guess the one thing that could make me a Kanye stand is that I very first play of 808s. I loved it. I was like, this is a ten out of ten. This album is freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I'm besides college dropout. I don't think I proclaimed any of them to be you know, epic masterpieces within one listen, and I just knew with 808 that, I don't know, shit spoke to me, dog. Yeah, yeah, well, here's something else we could do 15 hours on, but I know you love, uh, and let me borrow to watch one time, Eyes Wide Shut, because we both love Stanley Kubrick. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. I actually just featured that this week on uh, brotherhoodmag.com <laughs> with our uh, Now on Netflix picks. Every week we pick out five movies or shows on Netflix that you should watch. You know you get sick of the menus, and Brotherhood's here to help guide you. Awesome. Um, I don't even remember where I was going with that, man. But <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, you were just saying something about how I love Backwide Shut. I don't know how exactly that relates to Adolf. Oh, oh, oh. I just get the same kind of desolate, kind of cold feeling from that movie as I do. Maybe because it's a Christmas time movie, but I, I kind of associate the two, maybe. Um, because I can see that totally. Because both of them are, you know, you kind of just get left with an emptiness from it. Yeah, maybe that's why I don't ever need to hear it again. Because although I'm looking at the track list and it's it's a pretty you know it's a pretty tight set. It's a, they've got you know they got some songs on here. They Kanye's got some songs on here. <laughs> that um, well, Kanye and West. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, you know it's it's a solid album, and I don't even mean it derisively um, that I don't want to listen to it. It's just yeah, it doesn't make me feel good to listen to the album. I know that he was also we haven't mentioned this yet, but his, didn't his mother die like right before this album? Yeah, I do believe so. Is that, yeah. Does that album have your mama? No, that was a previous album. May have been, even been late registration. There was, sorry, I'm totally messing that up. There, uh, you are right, though. I'm pretty sure that it was around that same time. Hmm. Anyway. Because this was, I think this was Mom Died and Amber Rose and him broke up. Okay. Man, that was 2008 that they broke up, and he's still on this? Like, God. You know, Kim Kardashian strikes me as a bit of a psycho, and I am sure that she's had to listen to that and be like, how in the hell are you still hung up on this bitch? Oh, man. But it's also probably why it's a known that the Kardashians absolutely despise the Amber Rose, Black China kind of click within uh, that realm of Hollywood. Okay. Well, I want to talk about that more because I did actually ask uh, Ash before we talked because I knew that you and uh, Shan time watch the Kardashian show together, right? Cause I'd... Yes. Yeah, That's so... a regrettably God Almighty. All these years later, I did. 
the the desire to put a needle in my eye grows more and more every time. But but I was only bringing that up because Ash also has been known to watch some Kardashians. Um, so uh, I asked yeah, her. I, you know, it makes me want to die. I still know everything that's going on. Okay. Okay. Well, we can talk about that later or not. We don't have to talk about that at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, don't worry. Not a good spot. Okay, okay. Well, um, according to Wikipedia, uh, there was a VH1 Storytellers, which I think I remember something from, but I, we don't have to get into that unless you remember something. The, did, are you talking about Kanye doing Storytellers? Allegedly, he did some sort of uh, VH1 Storyteller I, session I, in I, February 2009. I vaguely remember it, and I vaguely remember it being actually pretty good. Oh, really? Okay. Well, maybe yeah. I'll have to seek that I out. I can't remember any, you know, little quips from it or any of that type of stuff, but I do slightly... I even think that Kanye might have played piano at one point. Mm-hmm. If I rem- like I said, if I remember correctly, it was actually pretty cool. Now, granted, that was also, I think that he was doing a bit of the 808 stuff, so it's, you know, if Love Lockdown, like, because I, if Love Lockdown, I could get lit listening to that right now. Yeah. If that does, but if that idea doesn't sound too lit to you, then it might not be that good, because I don't think that it was one of those things where he was doing Touch the Sky and shit. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we've come to the part I am so excited about because I think, actually, upon further reflection, I do think this is my favorite Kanye album, uh, which is my beautiful oh, dark twisted fantasy. Because I think that it's, I would think that we can agree that my beautiful dark twisted fantasy is the opus. It's what everything was leading to. It's um, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with this album at all. Um, I love everything about it. It is just a flows from what it's cinematic. Yeah. It's exactly what Kanye was always trying to pull off, but never could. I mean, if late registration could be a half or a third or even a fifth of what this album was, it would have been golden. But I yeah. just, I, I, I mean, if yeah. you're it, comparing like score wise, because if 10 is as high as you can go for a beautiful dark twisted fantasy, then you almost have to make late registration a two. Mm-hmm. And I don't think because, it was, a, yeah. Because dark twisted fantasy is that good. Like it honestly, it could be, deserving of like a 15 on the 10 point scale yeah yeah dark fan i'm just smiling thinking about these tracks dark fantasy gorgeous track number two with kid cuddy and raekwon um power oh god yeah that's actually that's the high point of liking the kid cuddy mm-hmm. definitely all of the lights which is really good um oh. all of the lights speaks for itself come on that's a classic Oh my god. Okay. Monster may be one of my favorite Kanye songs ever. Oh, without a doubt. That's, I mean, that features some of the best verses of the decade. Mm hmm. Um, so we have So Appalled, which was just epic. Which, interesting note about Monster, and I can't verify this because it's one of those things I don't think can be verified. But a friend of mine who is a DJ that actually plays real shows and that type of stuff said that Kanye ghost wrote Nicki Minaj's verse. Well, I, I think we all can agree that we weren't under any illusions that she wrote it herself at the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so appalled, amazing. Devil in a new dress, yes, all the way. Um, oh, yeah, that was cool. That was, a, some, that was like 
had that soul kind of on the town, like a fly in the family stone kind of vibe. Oh, yeah. Uh, Runaway, which is the song I was trying to think of earlier, uh, which... Yeah, with, there we go. With uh, Pusha T, with the great cleanup hit on that album, or that, that song. Um, Hell of a Life, which is a great song. Blame Game, a great song. Lost in the World, Who Will Survive in America. Yeah, just great album all around. And I, I don't want to enthuse too much about it, but man, oh man, there's not enough good things to say about that album. Real quick, Lost in the World, we should give a shout out to finally getting white boy singer features right. Mm. You know what I mean? Adam Levine, not really there. Chris Martin, it worked at the time. In retrospect, it's gotten weirder, especially since the Super Bowl. Bonnie there. <laughs> genius yeah that was a great uh, a great selection by Kanye I think and oh god yes and that was a, a dude was huge at the time I mean honestly it doesn't get much smarter than that that was yeah. definitely one of his better tastemaker moments <laughs> so yeah we have uh, 2010 that was 2010 2011 is like Watch the Throne years are important as to when you know as to when these things came out you know yeah and i mark my life by kanye albums weirdly <laughs> i do like i think of where i was when certain kanye albums came out and i'm like man i was a different person at this time than this time you know it does make sense because it is a pretty monumental you know it's one of those there's everybody's just got that hand those handful of artists when an album drops that kind of it's something that you focus on specifically and you look at it as, you know, kind of a signpost to your life. Sure, absolutely. Um, I thought Watch the Throne was great. I mean, I thought it was oh so God. good. Watch the Throne one of the best things that's ever happened to rap music. I agree. And it was just so strong, and it was like, it was as good as you hoped it would be. Um, another another album you can just play from beginning to end. There's no weak points, really. Um, no Church in the Wild with Frank Ocean, Great beginner song. Oh, God, yeah. Um, you know, honestly, I feel like one thing, you know, because right now with the popularity of Kendrick Lamar, and I'm kind of di- uh, diverting us a little bit, but I'll try to ring it back in. But with Kendrick Lamar right now, you know, so much of his music is focused on the, it sounds like the real voice of like, uh, like black America and how, you know, it speaks and it's poetic and stuff. And I think that it should be mentioned, you know, that Watch the Throne is a great example of how you can do it in another way, because Watch the Throne is a very pro-black album. I remember people feeling a little bit intimidated by it at times because it was so uh, <clears throat> so affirmative, you know, in its stance. And it, I just I think that that is one thing that kind of gets lost because it's been a few years, you know. Right, right. Well, uh, but anyway, yeah, no, um, as far as the Watch the Throne, it was just a, it was such a confirmation that Jay-Z and Kanye are at the top of the, you know, heap for a reason, you know. Exactly. I mean, I think that, honestly, in 2016, Jay-Z still has relevance mainly off of that album. Mm-hmm. I mean, and because he's become, like, ubiquitous, but... In the same sense, like in the rap game, you know, I would still I would still drop everything and pay attention if Jay Z came out with an album in the hopes that he would re- regain that Watch the Throne flow because that last uh, album was pretty terrible. Uh, from Jay Z, you mean? Yeah. Which which one was that? It was the one that came with all those Sony phones. Oh man, and we yeah, could talk about that. Yeah, Justin Timberlake, like too much Justin Timberlake. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we Not can. Not that I don't love JT, but it was just one of those things. It was, you know, that's also another podcast. But yeah, 
in terms of, you know, just side note on relevance, I think that Jay-Z actually, Watch the Throne is so good that Jay-Z can maintain relevance in the rap game and clout off of versus from five years ago. Yeah, uh, and, and let's just point out right now, uh, we could do a podcast twice as long about Jay-Z, I'm sure. Oh my god. Yeah, that's one. I mean, honestly, we could do one twice as long just on the Black album. Oh, yeah. Well, let's not get into that, because let's, you know... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Church in the Wild, yeah, great. No Church in the Wild, great song with Freak Ocean to start the album off. Lift Off, which I thought was a great one with Beyonce, really just bringing it home. Um, oh, that was badass, especially the way that the transition went from the end of No Church in the Wild, where they're kind of counting, and it leads into the countdown of Liftoff. It was, that album is another one, like, old Dark Twisted Fantasy, where they just, the, I, the way they made it so contiguous and cohesive is just gorgeous and part of the genius of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, then we have a really interesting song, which is actually, I think, maybe one of the best songs in the album, is The End Bombs in Paris. Now, a side note about this. I remember Gwyneth Paltrow got in trouble because she got on stage with them at, like, Paris or something, and she was singing very loudly, not end bombs with the real word. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, a bunch of people doing, when the Watch the Throne tour went to Europe, there was a bunch of people, celebrities doing dumb shit. Nick, uh, Lindsay Lohan was tweeting end mm. bombs, but not using asterisks, you know, just... A lot, of, a lot of poor judgment calls. Yeah, let's just leave it at that. But yeah, it was it was an interesting side note to that one. But a great song nonetheless. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel bad for Hit Boy because I've uh, ever since that song, he's Hit Boy is the guy who produced it. Uh, ever since then, I'd followed his career because if you find a dope producer, that go to their go find them, go see what else they have. You know, that's just logic to me. And uh, this poor guy just has not really you know, brought anything at that level since. Yeah, okay. Well, it's hard to live up to that, though. I mean, that's mm-hmm. such a high bar. Um, but we've got Otis after that, which uh, I think was significant for a lot of reasons, mostly because I don't remember Otis Redding getting sampled in any um, hip-hop song, unless I'm missing something. You know, James Brown and Parliament Funkadelic, you know, are, are that, that horse has pretty much been kicked to death at this point. Right. But, um, you know, as far as, like, Otis, is it just that his people are so, like, protective of his legacy? They don't let anything be licensed? or probably a budget thing. That would be my guess. Now, granted, I'm not, you know, the king of Rakim or Eric B., so there could be something from that mid-90s era, you know, maybe Redman had done a little sample, but I actually wouldn't be surprised if it were completely a budget thing. Well, I think, Based on what we, you know, you and I know about copyright law and how you have to pay for those rights and stuff, the way they sampled Otis... Uh, the way they sampled that song on Otis, they paid the maximum. Well, I think we should just explain for people who aren't familiar with this album is the theme of this album is that Kanye West and Jay-Z are very rich, and they can do a lot and buy a lot of things, and they would like to tell you all about that. Um, yeah, it's a reminder that they are the top of the game. I actually have uh, since learned that this was a, mostly spawned by Drake. Yeah, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page now, and I'm I'm seeing some Drake mentions here. So I mean, yeah, that that makes a lot yeah, of sense. Is, uh, Kanye said, has said that Drake got him in his feelings, and he started thinking, all right, we need to reset the bar and just remind everybody that this is the top notch. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. Um, I'm trying to. I'm looking at the rest of the track list, and it's just yeah, great song after great song. Who gonna stop me? Was a great song. Oh God, yeah, it was awesome. Especially at that time, you know, even though 2011 in the in the world of dubstep is kind of late in the game. At the time, that was when it was being used in like pop music and stuff, and so. Uh, I forget who the original artist is, but that little dubstepy end of Who Gonna Stop Me is, uh, that was a big deal for them, you mm-hmm. know, and that was a big deal for rap music in general. Sure. Um, now, so they probably honestly opened up the door for people like Skrillex and stuff to really hmm. start getting into the production game. Right, right. Um, Murder to Excellence and Made in America both have a similar theme um, as far as, like, uh, I don't know, I, I just feel like race relations have been difficult for Kanye West and, and, and Jay-Z, and, and being spokesmen for the black community has, has weighed heavily on them as it would anybody, but um, I feel like people expect a lot from them, and they feel defensive. And if we want to go to Beyonce, I think her Super Bowl performance is partially about that, um, feeling that pressure and just saying, you know, look, I, oh, yeah. I didn't sell you out and all this stuff. So I feel like those are meditations on that, which is good. Um, I, I don't think they're the most artful at dealing with that, you know, because they they are no. very wealthy. But at the same time, I think that it should be. I think it should be raw and to the point. You know, mm-hmm. why use illusions when talking about something that is so personal and is a continued struggle? Sure. Say it from the, from the, you know, from your heart, you know, where right. you're on your sleeve, whatever cliche fits, go for it, especially when you're talking about somebody like Kanye, who is the definition of heart on his sleeve, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so and I, I honestly, I like that. I, 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 that was one thing that as, uh, a white person, it actually hit home with me and resonated. I liked that emotion. It made me, it, it helped conceptualize hmm. that kind of, uh, that kind of struggle. It's, I'm not saying I know what it's like to be a black person or anything like that, but it made it feel more real and I could, you know, I could, um, infer from the delivery, from the passion, that type of stuff, uh, uh, you know, a lot of thoughts. Right, right. I just remember, for example, this is jumping ahead, but, you know, when Ferguson was jumping off, I remember on social media there was a big outcry because, you know, there was a, only a smattering of, of celebrity people that were showing up. Like, I think Nelly was on the back of a truck bed for about six hours before he got the hell out of there. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it was it was a smattering. You know, the sun, they, people made, like, gestures or whatever, but, like, you know, Kanye West didn't hold, like, a press conference. He didn't, like, chain himself to the front door of the Justice Building or anything. Um, and I think a lot of people were disappointed in that because, you know, you think back in previous generations, you had Harry Belafonte and Nina Simone and all these black, you know, intellectuals and, and actors and, and artists that kind of put their neck out there. And they're like, well, they did it. Why aren't you? And you need to, you are the person that's in the public eye for us. Um, and another thing I'm thinking of is, you know, Jay-Z, you know, he kind of co-opted the, um, I, I can't remember what his clothing, what's it, what is it S. Carter? Is that his thing now? Or what, what is his? clothing line. Oh, God, I don't think Jay-Z has clothes anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because honestly, most of it, like, rap wear, unless you're Kanye, who has the Yeezy season collection, you know, mm-hmm. 
I, in that the whole realm, you know, woo wear, all of that type of stuff has just died out. Mm-hmm. Celebrity endorsements are working really well in the sneaker world. You know, Adidas's uh, profits were up 14.5% last mm-hmm. quarter, something like $5 billion in sales just in the quarter, all because of the Kanye shoes. It's crazy. Sure. Well, we're getting to something I really want to talk about, and you're the person that I want to talk about it with because you're super into fashion and you're into, like, you, you know all the brands and everything, and, and Brotherhood is amazing at that. I learned so much just browsing through there uh, fashion-wise. But uh, the Kanye story is increasingly littered with fashion news, you know? <laughs> Definitely. Um, so anyway, we, you know, Watch the Throne, uh, we, I think we've, we agree, is a great album. Uh, Cruel Summer came in 2012, um, which was very much in the same style as um, as you know, Watch the Throne. Definitely in the same vein. I feel like, um, yeah, it was kind of good music's version of that. Yeah, I don't really like you know remember distinctly some of these songs. I'm looking at the track list. I, I, I was going to say, I hope we don't have to go song by song because I barely remember. Them. No, no, that we don't have to do that on every album. It's just some some of them. very indicative of the time. I think that album's like from 2012, maybe, and it's it sounds very 20. 12, you know, there's two chains all over the album. <laughs> right, I was just, I was gonna I was gonna mention two chains, because he really has a thing for two chains. I mean, I do too, I like him just fine, but he's not like <laughs> he's not like the world's greatest rapper, he just, you know. Just... Well, in 2012 though, as a fan of the rap game that was what we wanted, like he was that dude. Mm-hmm. Right now I would say Future is that dude hmm. that I would, I, anything you can give me right now that's from Future, I want it's amazing, I can't get enough, I love the guy. Okay, but well, um, yeah, but, but that's, that was, that's 2012 right there. Like that album was perfect because there was almost too much to change. Sure, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and I, I haven't. I don't find myself revisiting that album a lot. Um, it's okay, you know. I liked it just fine. I wouldn't like, ooh, what's happened here? Um, now, as far as the next thing that happened, and I, we may just this may be our biggest disagreement. I don't know how you feel about this, but Jesus, uh, 2013. What do you think? I respect what it did, and some of the songs uh, spoke to me, but for the most part, it's kind of in that late registration forgettable zone. Hmm. Um, I was, and this is a first, is a weird, weird emotion to have as a person who loves Kanye, but. Um, I was offended by this album. I didn't like it at all. Um, I, 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 I get that some of the songs are catchy. I'm not going to deny. It's still Kanye, of course. Um, but he, he was losing, he meant he was missing something that always kind of drew me back to him, like as, as braggadocious and as over the top and as, you know, whatever. I mean, we, we know how much bluster Kanye brings to the game. I mean, it's, it's well-known fact. That's part of his persona. And of course he's dialed that up to 15 million, 11, million or whatever. Oh, um, yeah. But, you know, there wasn't that humility or that self-effacement or that humanity that brought it back to earth that I always liked about him. It's like, yeah, I'm going to say these things, but I'm really insecure. And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to puff my chest out because I don't feel like I'm actually this way. And I'm, you know, I'm letting you in. I'm giving you a wink and a nod as I'm making this grand statement. And it was like, yeah, I get it. We're all like that sometimes. Um, But this was just untethered, you know, just it was... You know, the song I Am a God, featuring God, is the parentheses on that song. (laughs) 
um, it just, it was too much, man. I couldn't deal with it. And that was one part. And that would have been bad enough for me. Um, but, uh, really when he gets into new, new slaves, and especially the song that really I did not, I did not care for was Blood on the Leaves. And I thought it was just an affront to good taste that he would compare whatever struggles he was having in the fashion game to uh, black people getting lynched in the 1920s, and it, it's a, the song is a, um, you know, it's a I forget what song and who did it, but it was it was about a famous photograph that's actually from Marion, Indiana, um, which is you know a lynching that took place, and you know whoever I forget who wrote the song, I have to look it up or I'm look like a moron. I think that Blood on the Leaves is a Nina Simone sample. Okay, thank you. That's, yeah, sorry, Strange Fruit is the original song. Yeah. Strange Fruit is about, and I can, you know, look it up with the computer. <laughs> um, well, I've got this box here. What on earth did it do? Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. The, I wanted to say that, though, because I actually thought that was the lone song on the album that I, I, I really liked New Slaves. Mm-hmm. I liked how that was the kind of a reflection from being a kid to now, you know what I mean? I liked New Slaves work for me, and I really liked Blood on the Leaves. I liked, because I thought that, you know, it's it, uh, and granted, I think that a lot of times he makes very loose jumps in logic, because knowing now that, that we're talking about comparing uh, lynching, because see, I thought that we were just talking about the black struggle in general. That was where I was well, no, it, it's about. it's he the sample he uses is from blood blood on is it's blood on the leaves, but it's strange fruit. Strange fruit is a song that was written about the lynching of two men in Marion, Indiana, in like 1937. It was like the last lynching or something in in uh, Indiana. Um, God, see, I didn't. I just never realized it referenced a specific event, and that kind of makes it. That kind of makes my interpretation of the song a little. Different. It just—I find it totally gross, and I also find it gross because his mom was actually a marcher for civil rights, and this is after his mom is dead. And I think, you know, what would your mom say who actually fought for civil rights? Who, yeah. when she hears you comparing, oh, Adidas, oh, wah, you know, it's like being lynched in the '30s. You know, it's like, come on, Kanye, really? Right. That—that's your metaphor that you want to go with? So. Yeah, see, I just, uh, the entire time I always assumed that El Strange Fruit was a song referencing the general black struggle. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Equality, rights. Well, uh, maybe that's uh, the way, maybe Kanye doesn't even know what I know about it. Maybe he isn't yeah, a familiar. Honestly, maybe right, because that's what I, I thought that was, I thought that it was like a, like, um, sort of a half and half song where you take those moments of old Nina and she makes you think of the previous struggle and then the beat jumps to the Hudson Mohawk production that's thunderous mm-hmm. and he's talking about, you know, $2,000 bag but no cash in your purse. Uh, that type of stuff, which I love that, such a quotable. <laughs> and I thought that it was a great then and now look at the black struggle because, you know, now things change, you know, especially with as obsessed with luxury and stuff as America is, I think that you see a lot of different ways that it, that people are struggling, whether it's, you know, poverty, lusting after things they can't afford, all that, you know what I mean, all that mm-hmm. type of stuff. That's what I always thought that song was about. Now you're kind of blowing my mind. Okay. Well, and, you know, even having said all that, you know, Kanye is an artist, and what is an artist but somebody that's supposed to rattle your cage? You know, if you don't feel, yeah. if, you, if you feel completely comfortable all the 
the time experiencing art, then you're, the art's not very good, is it? You know? Exactly. Um, yeah, so, I know, but he did his job. Because it definitely, the album made both of us feel some type of way. I mean, this has been more of a from-the-heart review than the other albums. Sure, exactly. And, it, you know, like, you know, going back to what we said before, you know, we still, it's still a really good, you know, it's it's good music, you know, it's it's not, like, bad, necessarily. It's within the realm of good music. It's just that, compared to everything else that had come before that, and, you know, what I expect from Kanye, because I expect a lot from him. When I hear there's a new Kanye album, I don't have, like, oh, maybe this is just a toss-off. I'm like, this is this better be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that brings us to the current times, because the Yeezus was 2013. There was a three-year drought of no Kanye albums, which, I, if I'm not mistaken, I could go back and look, but I won't. Um, uh, maybe the longest time between albums. Is that right, or is that about the longest, give or take? Or? I think so, although I think that between late registration and uh, graduation, I think there was like four years, because I think it's like, hmm. no, I'm not positive. I'd have to check Okay. Well, it felt like a long time to me. But it definitely has been one of the longer gaps. I also, though, felt like it was a long gap, even though there was Watch the Throne and uh, Cruel Summer. I thought that from... Dark Twisted Fantasy to Yeezus was a big time. I think that was also why Yeezus tried to be so radical. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it was, he wanted to, you know, he wanted to burn everything to the ground, and that's his right to do. It's just that, you know, it wasn't what I was hoping would happen. So. Yeah, it was one of those times, and it's, I think that, you know, usually when Kanye comes out with stuff, it kind of changes the way rap sounds for a while, mm-hmm. and I've yet to hear anybody try and mimic that industrial type of sound that was all over Yeezus, you know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, thank goodness, because that just... And Yeezus was also too angry for me. Yeah, that's another I thing. I the feels. That's why I still will listen to 808. But anger just does nothing for me anymore, you know? Find me in 97 when I'm listening to Metallica <laughs> all the time. Maybe we can talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but, I mean, do you want to just explain? I know you're, you're, uh, you already covered this a little bit, but what is, what is his... What, uh, how should I say this? What are other people in the fashion community, what is their opinion of Kanye's fashion ideas? Because I'm looking at it from the outside, and he's obviously very invested in the idea of being some kind of fashion fashion mogul at least one that's one he wants to be steve jobs too but that's another discussion um, but he wants to be a respected designer does he not i mean that's kind of his ultimate goal yeah. in, the, in the thing right well but, but what do other people think of his because i can't tell if, if his shoes are like good or not in a conventional you know what do you what do you think and what do people it's around kind of you funny. think in terms of, it's interesting because with as mainstream as he is, he's kind of bringing a look into high fashion to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, a lot of that stuff, the, the pieces, I mean, they're high fashion prices. 2500 for a hoodie, mm-hmm. 800 bucks for a tattered Henley, you know, just crazy shit like that. But uh, it's kind of created a culture shift in the mainstream because now you have all these people being exposed to high fashion and high fashion has always looked a little weird and it it even took a little bit for me to kind of get the whole idea that he's going for because it's this I mean it's sort of a Jedi look 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The, the shoes are very the shoes and clothing are very unbranded. They're very general. It's you know it's a it's a mix and match type of thing because everything kind of is in that same sand camo type of color range and stuff. Uh, I'm not completely sold on it. Like I'm not going to go entirely Jedi, mm-hmm. but. You know, it's a look I might toy with. Okay. Uh, here or there. Sure. The, shoes, the I don't the high top ones. I just can't do it. The high top ones. You're definitely going to wear those with a completely Jedi outfit. You know what I mean? You're going to mm-hmm. need those weird sort of pants that he has with all the strings. You're going to need that oversized sweatshirt with the one really long sleeve. It, just to make it all work out. You know that the low tops I think are actually pretty cool, and I've heard that they're that that. Uh, the sole that's on those is insane. And so the low-top ones I'd like to mess with. The production numbers right now, I've kind of gotten to the point where if I can't just get it when I want to, if I have to work really hard and wake up at a certain time and be fast at the Internet, I'm not nearly as interested in it these days. I prefer being able to just get things at my leisure. You know, I mean, limited stuff is neat and all, but at some point or another, you have to draw the line. Especially because of all of because with Kanye being so popular and bringing this to the mainstream, you now have even more people wanting these items. You now have music fans. You now have just Kanye fans. You now have fashion fans. So you have like three groups battling it out over these shoes and clothes versus. You know, just one sitting on the whole group. Right. And I only bring that up because not, I mean, you know a lot about it, so I, I, I want your perspective. But he talks a lot on Jesus, especially, I mean, in kind of the angry tones, because I think I heard a, um, interview. This is how much, and, and I'm not afraid to say I'm a Kanye stan, because I remember listening to this the day it came out, but he had an extended interview with a British guy named Zane Lowe. Um, mm-hmm. oh yeah, I know. Every, I, honestly, if you, people, if you don't know Zane Lowe, you said he's one of the most important people in like yeah and I had to listen to it twice to get to what Kanye was saying, but like, uh, what, so he, he struggles and he's like, you know, struggling against this infrastructure to bring his ideas to the world, but what, what is his brand affiliations and, and what is all this interfighting he like on, I don't want to get too far into this just yet, but, but we'll, t- we'll talk about this soon, but he talks about Nike being terrible and this other, maybe Adidas, like trying to split up the family or like, what is his brand affiliation and what is hold, like, what does he see as holding him back in the fashion world besides the fact that he would have say he's a black man i guess but um you know what i mean <laughs> okay um we'll go quick versions and then kind of expand uh with nike he had issues with the creative control that he was allowed and with the uh way that the shoes were released that type of situation he wanted basically it was a control issue with Adidas, who he is currently with, he works with Adidas Originals. His shoes are released under Adidas Originals. They're the, as of right now, he has three models. The Adidas Yeezy, the Adidas Originals Yeezy Boost 950, which is a duck boot. They're way too expensive. The Yeezy Boost 750, which is, uh, the kind of Luke Skywalker looking shits. And then the Yeezy Boost 350 are the low tops, which are the most popular. They've had the most, uh, different colorways, uh, released. Okay. Well, I mean, and just... that, those are all, and then the clothing itself is called Yeezy Season, and okay. it is produced through Adidas Originals. Hmm. Now, what's weird is you usually think that, like, oh, that's athletic gear. He's doing like tracksuits. Hell no! It's like an actual fashion line because Adidas also has some very high fashiony. Um, 
elements to it. There's uh, it's Y three line, which puts out like thousand dollar shoes designed by Rick Owens and stuff. Rick Owens, big fashion guy too. Um, but you know what I mean. That, that like Adidas has the ability to source very expensive materials to make a four thousand dollar sweatshirt. Does that sweatshirt have an Adidas logo on it anywhere? No. Hmm. Yeah, it is an obsession for him, and it has been for quite a while because, I mean, he obviously recorded Yeezy, or sorry, Yeezus before 2013, and that was, the, the first words on the album are, Yeezy, uh, was it uh, Yeezy season is coming back soon or something? I forget what exactly what it was, but he was talking about the thing you're talking about, and it's like obviously top of his mind. Um, oh, yeah. But that it's was like. Right around the time Yeezus came out, that was when he had done. Uh, APC, which um, they make, it's a really fine denim company out of uh, Paris. They make apparel as well, T-shirts, that type of stuff. He did a capsule collection for them. A capsule collection is basically a small range of items, maybe a couple pairs of pants, a few different type of tops, maybe a hat or two. That's like a capsule. He did that with APC. It was hugely popular. I mean, they did a $125 white T-shirt, no pocket, nothing, and that thing... You could probably find one on eBay right now for like a thousand. Yeah, um, that was that kind of preceded the idea that okay, now I need a fashion line, and it's going to be called Easy Season. Right, right. But he doesn't want to just be, you know, there's rappers, let's face it, who aren't trying to, like, get it back there and, you know, get on a sewing machine and and really, you know, make the ideas come to life. It's just like, this person's going to design it, they're going to show you a picture of it, and you're going to say yes or no, and then your name's going to be on it. I don't think Kanye, Kanye wants to be seen as somebody that gets his hands dirty and has great ideas and his great ideas extend. And this is kind of what, another thing I want to get to, um, where I think, you know, he never seems satisfied with mastering something. He's, and that's probably what drives his greatness, honestly, because he mastered production. He had everybody singing his tune, and he's like, no, I want to rap now, too. And then he rapped, and then he changed the entire game, and everybody tried to get where he was. And he's like, nope, I want to do, you know, fashion. And I just don't think that he has the capacity to, not that he, you know, I don't, I can't tell if it's good, but, you know, it's like he's trying to do this other thing, and it's like, I just care about the fact that he does music i don't really care about his fashion and it's like it's almost a, it, right. so it, to me it's a total distraction because if if it takes three years between albums because he's trying to design some like star wars boot it's like that's nothing for me i don't care <laughs> <laughs> i understand i understand yeah see that's funny because i've continued to follow all of that i mean it kind of helped that with my work with brotherhood fell in line to where you would talk about his clothes and stuff but yeah i mean i follow all of it to where I mean, my news cycle is—it's definitely a lot of Kanye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Well, I'm—I'm I'm glad I, to have your perspective like on it. it. I would say that because right now there are more kids out there, but like, I would say this: Kanye's fashion line is popular enough that now a lot of the companies that I cover are having problems selling graphic T-shirts because everybody wants things in plain colors because. Most of Kanye's collection has no logos, no branding. I mean, there's a few camouflage pieces, but everything else is one color. And so now you've got all these people running around in fucking drop crotch pants with 
the Yeezy boost on, you know, I would say that he has definitely created an entirely new look. So anyway, we have Life of Pablo, which, as I said earlier, um, you know, it, <laughs> it ostensibly came out, and we should just talk about this. This is a, this is a, you know, whole different uh, side of the music business. But what is the deal with title? Like, just give a short description as you can. What do you mean title? It's just like a streaming music service trying to rival. Uh, Spotify and Apple Music, their whole appeal is to try and sign artists by giving them more of the uh, control of what songs are on the catalog and the money they get. Mm-hmm. Because I think what's really interesting about this album is that, like, yeah. So this was definitely Kanye throwing Jay-Z a bone. Not to mention title through Kanye bone. Huh. Interesting. Sure they paid a lot of money to be the only place where you can get it right now. But there wasn't there something about how people didn't actually receive the download. Um, oh yeah, it, it came out, and I think a few people were able to download it because I think that was how it started circulating a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then they took it back to streaming only. And so now, if you sign up for Tidal, you can only stream it instead of downloading it to your phone, mm-hmm. which then led to the Pirate Bay blowing the fuck up with uh, illegal downloads. Yeah, I mean, you had to. And, you know, of course, the uh, the, the people who... Yeah, I already pay for Apple Music. I mean, honestly, this brings up an entire argument that is another podcast about the segmenting of music fans via streaming services and exclusive albums. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's not even a physical copy of this you can buy, right? Yeah, that does not exist right now. Although, the company, I I don't know who in the world you could buy it physically through, sent out emails on the earlier this week that said, hey, it looks like you bought The Life of Pablo. We expect to have the physical release sometime in the next week. And we will be mailing it to you finally. Well, that, I mean, leads to another discussion about how Kanye basically, um, and I, I don't want to cover this too much because I know I think you talked about it a little bit on the other podcast, the Real Talk Live, but um, he basically created this album in public. Like, he put track lists up, he released songs ahead of time, and he also released yeah. songs ahead of time that didn't even make the album. Like, he had Paul McCartney on a song, and he didn't even put it on the album. Like, yeah. What? You get a Beatle on your song and you're not going to put it on your album. One of the biggest, uh, well, it had just been too long. It was too old at that point. If he had released it last summer, like the original rumor was, when it was called So Help Me God, then it would have been perfect to put it on there. But, you know, once it gets a year old, it's just the Internet has ruined it, basically. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's actually one of the things I wrote down just like a pros and cons list. And the rollout of the album is one of the biggest flaws in it. Because it's still, I mean, technically, we don't know if it's complete. Supposedly, there's a deluxe edition coming to Apple Music that may even have more songs. I have no idea. He's trying to destroy the idea of the album. And I think he's deconstructing it. I mean, it's really interesting to watch. I mean, because no one's ever really done it this way before. Um, No. Uh, so I, it's been. I mean, there were there were, was a little while when because remember it was supposed to come out on the 11th and then it didn't because he had the fashion show and he played it there 
And then at, at that point, because there were rips of the audio of the fashion show, I tried to listen to the album that way. I made it like part of a track, and I was like, this is fucked up. I don't understand what I'm listening to. I can't, this can't be my official listen. And for a, a, a day or two, I was completely disinterested. And then I had a friend send me a link to it on the 15th, and I was like, ah, I guess I'll download it. And I still really didn't listen to it until like the 17th. And on the first listen, I didn't like it because I think I was already still in a negative mindset from the entire rollout. I totally agree, and I actually went back, and I listened to it once on the way to work from beginning to end, and I was like, what was that? <laughs> like, I wasn't really sure what I thought of it yet. And then I listened again to it today, and I liked it a lot more when I listened to it again, and I think you're right. It had something to do with this drip drop of information. I don't want to know anything about this album before it's out. I don't care. Exactly. I don't want to see a preview. I'm sure you had experiences that uh, had to do with other artists um, that you, they just, you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar just, was it today or whenever, just released a new yeah, album. Yeah, yesterday, Kendrick Lamar with that new album. That I haven't awesome. I haven't heard it yet, but my point is that I, I am glad that he didn't say any, Sorry, go ahead. I was saying that, and then just uh, like three weeks ago, Future released an album just three weeks after he had released an entire mixtape that was basically an album mm-hmm. on Apple Music uh, called Evil, and it was brilliant, and I'm like, Good God, I love these surprise projects. Yeah, I just I don't I don't need any advance warning. Just drop it on me and let let me know what's what's happening when it happens. You know, don't I don't want to. It's like for pre- previews for movies. I know I'm going to see. I don't want to see it. Like, yeah. Just let me see the movie. I, I'm already in. You know, just yeah, exactly. That was the new Star Wars. I watched the very first trailer back around like Thanksgiving the year before it came out, and then I didn't watch the TV commercials, any of that stuff, because I wanted to just go and travel to a galaxy far freaking away, you know? Exactly, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, go, go down your, you know, tell us about your pros and cons about this album, because I've already, I think I've already thoroughly probably said what I what I think, basically. It's like got something for everybody. Um, you know, there's, well, we'll talk about, you know, each track or whatever when we need to, but, like, what are your thoughts about this album, just kind of overall? Okay, well, I would say that it is very good, not great. I would now yeah. great mm-hmm. great being college dropout, beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Very good could be eight oh eight's type of realm, because I consider eight oh eight like a top three, top four album. And so I think maybe if it was IMDB and I'm given a score, this album is like an eight. College Dropout and Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy are tens. 808s is a nine. I think this album, I'll just, I guess I'll stand by the eight. And, um, I don't know, do I, do you want me to start out like, should we just, go cons, or should I talk about something that I think is a strength? Am I ragging too hard? Uh, no, no, no. It's, it's cool, man. I just I wrote down things track by track. Uh, is that cool if we, we okay, do it that yeah. way? Well, that's, we can definitely do it that way. Yeah, okay. Do it that way. Okay. Well, you know, the al- the album begins with Ultra Light Beam, which I didn't see it, but apparently he performed on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I missed the Saturday Night Live as well. Okay. Honestly, live Kanye after seeing him at Coachella, I'm I'm okay on it. It's not like it doesn't sound like the album and stuff, but I'm just always fearful that a rant is going to start. Ultra Light Beam, um, I thought was kind of in the vein of Jesus Walks, and I don't know how much you've heard of this, but apparently he 
has claimed at various times, I don't know if he's sticking to the story, he's very Trumpish in, in changing his policies about certain <laughs> certain things, but um, he claimed at one t- point this was a gospel album, um, and he yeah. has Kirk Franklin on this song, uh, given given a blessing or whatever, and, and singing. I forget exactly what he does, but um, and then on on, con- on Twitter later he he did, he did say that Kirk Franklin bl- gave him a blessing. <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, but this is, but this is back kind of, I, I feel like this is his biggest return to Jesus Walks since he put out Jesus Walks. And he and uh, religion, obviously, we've we talked about how he's having a comp- complicated relationship. Um, and we can't totally accept that Kanye West will ever be a humil- you know, a person full of humility. Um, you know, that's, that's not, that's not in him to be 100% that way. But it is nice to see when he talks about God that it's not, I am, I am a God featuring God in parentheses once again. <laughs> so it's just, it's it's not like I need him to be any certain, he can be an atheist or he can be a Christian, it really doesn't matter to me. I don't really, he can be a Satan worshiper, I really don't care. Um, you know, but but he put that on Front Street in his first album, so it's always something that pings my radar whenever he brings it up, just because he put himself so out there with, you know, even if it takes away from my spins, I hope it takes away from my sins or whatever, you know. <laughs> oh, definitely, I understand exactly what you're saying, because I think that even even the biggest fan of Kanye's level of um, self-absorption would find the I Am A God era a little bit of a turnoff. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, I thought the Father Stretch My Hands parts one and two was, was a good one, too. That was that was fun. Um, I, I, I liked the uh, the kind of a, more, a little more uh, upbeat vibe from the Ultralight Beam uh, that we got at the beginning. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. I would say, honestly, Ultralight Beam, I was <clears throat> the very first time that I listened to it, I was scared shitless because I thought, oh, my God, it really is going to be in a gospel album. Yeah, it sets, it, it almost sets, and this is kind of what makes it a disjointed album, but I don't really like, you know, it's still Kanye, so I'm still into it, but um, it doesn't have that continuity of my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, because that album just was, it just flowed, like it was, you couldn't see the cracks anywhere, it was just beautiful to look at, it was just like, it was just like when you when you see Snowfall and no one's walked in it yet, it just kind of covers everything, and it's the same smoothness everywhere, and it's like, this is so jagged and just, dis- you know, the <laughs> He's changing well, tracks every day, but like you know, I, I miss that about Kanye. You know that my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, or or even College Dropout, or even 808s and Heartbreak. That was another album that just you could just feel the flow from one album. And there wasn't like these jagged, you know what I mean, transitions. Definitely, that actually just in general to kind of come up with one of the because I think that it's before we get too specific because I really want to talk about both of the Father Stretch My Hands. Um, the, that gets into one of the the very first con that I wrote was that it was that it was kind of overproduced hmm. for Kanye. Like there's certain areas where there's so much happening that it kind of reminded me of a uh, scene from the movie Wonder Boys, where Katie Holmes is talking to uh, Michael Douglas after reading part of his like two thousand page book. And uh, he's like a big pothead or whatever. And she says, you know, Grady, you're always telling us as writers we have to make choices. And, you know, your book is very beautiful, but sometimes it, it reads like you didn't make any choices. And that was one of the very first 
thoughts that I had about the life of Pablo is that in places it read like he didn't make any choices where he was kind of dumping the notebook. You know that phrase. Mm. And he was kind of dumping the notebook. Because, I mean, let's be real. What in the hell is low light? What is that? What okay. Is, we're going to, yeah, we're going to get to that for sure, man. Highlights, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, that's we'll save that once we get to low light. Sure, sure. But, yeah, yeah no, I agree yeah. with you about Father Stretch My Hands. Um, I liked it. it I, I felt like I felt his, you know, that was a nice little 808, uh, you know, throwback, I thought. Um, I thought he, uh, <laughs> the, um, let's see, what, what rap was it? Let's see. Oh, <laughs> I'm just remembering the part with the uh, bleach and the T-shirt rap uh, from that song. <laughs> Oh, that's I, I like the for Father Stretch Man's Part One. I love it so much because you've got Cuddy groaning. <laughs> Don't forget, Cuddy groaning in all of the lights is amazing. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure that Cuddy got a Grammy for groaning mm-hmm. out of that, but you know, for being part of the song. So I think that this might be. I think Cuddy might get him another groan Grammy out of this. And I'm excited because, truthfully, I was telling uh, Shannon, my wife, that. Uh, I think the best thing Cuddy does, at least for my taste these days, is groan. Because I can't stand the, like, rock and roll rap. I sort of think I'm Limp Bizkit shit. So. <laughs> Give me something to break. Um. Exactly. Exactly. So I love that. And then I like the the verses on that are kind of that uh, and call back to the Kanye era. Um, what was it? The track from College Drop- Dropout with uh, Talib Kweli and stuff. Uh, get uh, get him high. Yeah, get him high. Yeah. Uh, exactly. That was it. Kind of had. You know what I mean? It had that same feel to me. Right, right. Um, now, this is something else I was going to ask you about. Um, Rhymefest has apparently, and this is just a known fact, apparently been, been ghostwriting for Kanye for years, um, and apparently he's not anymore. And I wonder, uh, you know, as, as much as I, I do like this album, I do like Life of Pablo a whole lot, um, especially compared to some of the albums, other albums we've talked about. Um, but I, I wonder if maybe his lyrics are suffering now that he's not having his traditional, you know, uh, you know, ghostwriters in his ear. It's so funny you say that because I'm sitting here crossing off things that I've mentioned from my notes and in the cons, lyrically not as good. Didn't like it. So far, that's what I said. Weakest so far, least quotables. The quotables, yeah, the the things that stand out. Even Jesus gave us this, that red cups all on the lawn shit, this, that don't tell your mom shit. The the things that stand out on this album, lyrically, are just cringeworthy. They're just like things that you're like, ooh. You really want to have said that, Kanye? Like, do you want to maybe go back and take... Like, stop doing production the fifth time on the background vocals on this, like, wave song. Maybe go back and rewrite that one verse that you thought was so great that you just put out in front of everything that you think is so important in the background, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Although that does, um, to talk about the idea of working in the background, uh, that kind of leads into uh, Father Stretch My Hands Part 2, because I want to, I would assume, you know, probably some people listening to this will be like, well, duh, but maybe for those who didn't know, you do know that Father Stretch My Hands Part 2, that was actually two songs itself. Uh, The part where Designer comes on the, uh, I got brawls down in London, something to (laughs) photo. You know, that guy with the super deep voice. 
But is designer is designer a a future ripoff? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, he's 18, so he's technically younger, but his actual voice sounds that deep. He is a dude like he's basically just doing. Because honestly, I'm a massive future fan. And I don't, like, I, at first I kind of saw how Designer sounds like Future, but the way that they talk and stuff, like, Designer is very East Coast. Future is very Dirty South, and I don't think that'll ever get mm-hmm. twisted. Okay. Well, don't listen but to me. I'm just repeating that, uh, things I heard on Pitchfork the other day, so just, you know. <laughs> oh, no, and that, I mean, honestly, it did, like, I used to, I, when the album first came out, we jokingly called Designer Future with a PH. <laughs> Much like fish in our earlier conversation. <laughs> exactly. But um, that, that part that he raps is actually a separate song called Panda. It existed for a short amount of time, and then Kanye heard it and decided to sign him or whatever. He basically showed up with what turned into Father Stretch My Hands Part 2, where Kanye started doing you know, his auto-tune over the top, and then it went into Panda. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, essentially said, I mean, you probably even read this. It was all over the, like, news cycle this week that basically uh, played it for designer. He was like, what do you think? He's like, oh, this is awesome. And he goes, okay, cool. You're now on my record label. And designer dropped out of high school and is now, you know, working on this album. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know any of that. Well, it's good because, yeah. yeah, part of this is I almost feel like there's a story behind every song on this album. Like, it's like there's a whole, like, biography that could be written about the history of each yeah, track. Yeah, it's cinematic. It really yeah. is it played out in the media. I mean, come on, we went through five names or something. So help me God, Swish, Waves, Life of Pablo. So four names. Yeah, I actually agree with you um, about the uh, album name. I think that "So Help Me God" was the was the play, and I think you should have just stuck with that. Oh, by by far, by far, and that's you know honestly, the um, those name changes. It's funny. It showed insecurity for the first time. You right. Know, Kanye's thing is to come and set the bar, and without any doubting of his style. And I think that as he's become a father. And is now 38. I think he's starting to guess himself, and we're kind of seeing that happen. Mm-hmm. And I don't really like it because I, it, because it's just such a radical departure, you know. Mm-hmm. Not to mention that if you really are an artist, you got to stand by it. You think Pablo Picasso like fucking cried before a show or something? Hell no, he just did his thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, know what I mean? like, you, you really think Andy Warhol was worried? Oh no, do you think they're going to think they're just soup cans? Well, of fucking course they're soup cans, but they're your soup cans, man. Right. Oh no, totally. I so I so feel you on that. Um, and especially, you know, uh, becoming a father myself, I, I definitely think that's true. It's just like, you know, you read about these uh, artists throughout time, and, and let's be real, artists are not great parents like true artists you have to be mm-hmm. totally self-involved um to to be like to make my beautiful dark twisted fantasy do you know how into yourself you have to be do you know how inside your own <laughs> head you have to be to to produce something like that and, and to have two newborns running around the house you don't get to be in there you have to live outside of yourself because the your part of yourself is running around pulling on the power cord right now and you need to stop that you know? exactly <laughs> you know balance Two two realms of cool. What is cool in music and what is cool in high fashion is not even remotely the same. <laughs> it's something that bangs in the hip hop world, and I see high fashion becoming more street these days. That's a whole other conversation. But 
it's one of those things. It would be tough to start thinking, okay, they're going to want to see these, you know, they're wanting this type of French cashmere, and then, like, rap people are wanting, you know, dirty velour. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Right, right. Um, well, let's get back to the... I think that kind of shows in the album, in the overproduction, like the inclusion of, like, uh, low light. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get to low lights for sure. I've got stuff written out, down about that. Um, so, okay, so we got... Uh, so I actually wrote down for part two of Father Shreds My Hands um, with the... There was a Chicago drill, uh, I thought, kind of vibed to... I, I felt kind of a Chief Keef thing, which which he had uh, incorporated, of course, on the... Um, uh, what was that album we talked about in 2013? Uh, the Good uh, Music Cruel Album. Summer. Yeah, Cruel Summer. Yeah, he had a... Yeah. He took a, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, the Don't Like remix, which was probably the most banging song for the gym ever created. Yeah, you couldn't do better than that for that set. Uh, no, dude, I still run to that freaking every week, man. Exactly. Um, okay, Famous, I love that song. Um, oh, Famous is, Famous is genius. Famous was when the very first listen to the album, that was the one song that made me want to come back to the rest of the album because it made sense. And it felt right. Yeah, exactly. It I totally felt agree. Very Kanye. Yeah. Oh, it felt very Kanye. And I'll tell you who else it felt like. Very Swiss Beats. Well, of course, because he co-produced it. Oh, I know. But like, this is finally. This is exactly what I always hoped Swiss Beats yeah, does. Yeah, it felt like it felt like 2005 again. Exactly what I thought. I thought it was like Dipset, Dipset. Not that he did that song, but that was around the right. same era. You know? <laughs> exactly. That was when I know. I know exactly what you mean. And that was when Swizzy was kind of running shit, uh-huh. and he had that. For a while, he had a very aggressive style, and songs were, you know, like 180 beats per minute, practically, type of stuff. Oh, I know. Great. And then he kind of faded off. You know, I mean, honestly, he did the same thing. Had a kid with Alicia Keys, kind of turned into a puss, and, (laughs) you know, wrestled with it. And I think, honestly, Kanye is kind of reviving him, because now uh, Swizz... And his actually his seven year old son Jacob helped co produce track number three on the new Kendrick Lamar album. So hmm. I think it's safe to say that Swizzy is back. That's good to hear. And um, I feel like in the same way uh, that Jay Z was challenged and uh, by Kanye West on Watch the Throne and vice versa. And I think that was part of why that album was so good. I think when Swiss Beats gets around Kanye when they're both on fire, um, I think that they kind of you know make each other step their game up a little bit. Definitely. Definitely, because I think that they're, I, honestly, if you think about the, our talk of new parents battling their identity as a parent versus the artist that they are and that whatever their persona may be, I have a feeling that Kanye and Swizz were kind of on the exact same page in the studio that day. Like, man, we kind of need to make a fucking banger, dude, because we're being defined by our wives. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and not to mention the fact that they're both married to famous people. And, and we'll get into the Kardashians uh, all the way uh, in just a minute right. because I definitely want to talk about that because that has become an increasing part of the Kanye story. And that's not something yeah. I ever saw coming. Although, if you want to talk about a kind of a throwback, uh, I do remember uh, a rap where um, he, and I don't know what point in their relationship or if there was a relationship yet, didn't he have something uh, 
something you me and Kim Kardashian like it was like but he said it like in such a way that was like maybe this will never happen but I'll say it you know like <laughs> well there was that reference but it was in um it was in between beautiful dark twisted fantasy and Jesus there was a song called cold and it was hmm. right after she had married Chris Humphreys and he said uh, right around the time I fell in love with Kim is when mm. he fell in love with him. It rhymed a little bit better. <laughs> either way, that honestly, I'm pretty sure led to Kim Kardashian divorcing Chris Humphreys after 72 days and ultimately coming to Team Jesus because it was that was within months. It was fucked up. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think that was, uh, you know, side note, uh, totally disrespectful to the people that showed up to that wedding. <laughs> yes, without a doubt. <laughs> but but that's another another discussion. Um, okay, so yeah, so I loved uh, I loved Famous, but you know that did contain uh, two of the most controversial verses on the album, uh, one about Taylor Swift and one about Amber Rose. Um, so okay, so. He, uh, so we, we're still talking about Amber Rose, by the way, 2016, and we yeah. just we discussed way back when we were talking about 808s and Heartbreak that that was a reaction partially to him breaking up with Amber Rose. He is still hung up on this ten years later. Definitely. Wow. Definitely. It's one of those things, you've got to think, all right, for Kanye being mildly famous, even though he kind of got famous a little bit older, uh, uh, I want to say he was almost 30 already by the time the college dropout came out. Let's let's think here. He's 38 now, so no, he would have been 28. Never mind. Anyway, um, I think that it was one of those, his, uh, his development was stunted by trying for fame and hustling and doing all those beats for free and stuff in the late 90s. And I think that Amber Rose was truly the first great love of his life. And it's, I think that he'll always be rattled by that. And I think that no matter what, Kim may just be that item that he wanted. To me, it's juvenile and stuff, but mm-hmm. that's definitely, that's what's, that's what's going on for him. Sure. It's funny too, because the, the, um, the mention of Amber Rose in that song, I don't have the lyrics in front of me right now, but I, I remember thinking that's the strongest verse in the song. Yeah, no, I, and, and, and I'm separating all everything I'm saying from the fact that that was a good verse. You know? Yeah, it's, it, it's really funny how that works. Now, the Taylor Swift thing, the talking about how she, he made her famous, I think that everybody's kind of misunderstood that. Because, no shit, she was already famous. She was going up there for video of the year when he interrupted her at the VMAs. Yeah. But, at the barbershop, did they ever talk about Taylor Swift before Kanye West interrupted her? No. Hmm. He brought Taylor Swift to, like, I honestly don't think that Taylor Swift would have Kendrick Lamar on Bad Blood had Kanye West not brought her attention to the world of hip-hop by interrupting her on stage. You have to remember who Taylor Swift was when he did that. Yeah, she was still massively huge, but she was still selling a vast majority of records off of country fans and then pop white people. And now... Everybody loves Taylor Swift, you know? Like, she'll be end up being basically, you know, Elton John by the time she's older. Yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, Max Martin wasn't producing five songs on her album at that time. Exactly. Exactly. 
So, but that's and yet another discussion. <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's honestly, I think that I mean, I genuinely think that Taylor Swift is a talented songwriter too. She's done this as much herself through hard work and focus and blah 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 as anything else. But I definitely, uh, definitely think that old T Swift got a boost. And it, it, it at least expanded her appeal. And I think that's all Kanye was really talking about. Because Kanye doesn't, one thing that I think is for certain, his statements aren't made for regular, he's not speaking for the regular people. He's speaking for Kanye, the way he views it. And in Kanye's world, yeah, a lot of people that never heard of Taylor Swift found out about her from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even more than that, I believe that he believes it. Oh, without a doubt, exactly. That's. I mean, honestly, I don't know if you watch People versus OJ, but Kanye is OJ. He's delusional. His view of who he is is just, it's amazing. On Back to Famous, uh, I liked uh, the Sister Nancy Bomb Bomb sample. Oh, yeah, the beat flip. That was one of the things, actually, if we're talking, if we go back to the theme of uh, it was awesome because it was like Kanye being Kanye again, that flip was so Kanye. That was exactly what Kanye... That's. I should have expected this from you, Mr. West. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Because um, that's definitely one of the bangers. Like, when I uh, want to just throw on a mysterious banger for somebody in the car, I'll put that on, because it almost seems like it's going to be serious with the Rihanna-verse, mm-hmm. and then... It just takes people on a wild ride. I know. I love it. And the thing is, every time I have a reggae station on Pandora, and every time uh, Bomb Bomb comes on, I don't skip it, even though I've heard it a million times, because I feel like it'd be disrespectful. So I was I was worried. <laughs> I was worried when I heard Bomb Bomb coming in on the song, and I'm like, oh, what is he going to do with this? And then he kind of, he, he tweaked it a little bit, but it wasn't in a bad way. It was like, oh, I didn't think about it like that. Okay, you could do that. Um, Which actually, that um, just to speak on a general pro of the album, because this is a good example, the co-production with Swizz Beats. Uh, one thing I read on uh, Complex Magazine in the weeks since the album came out, and this may have led to why the lyrical fall-off happened. Kanye spent more time producing the songs on this than he has in years, since almost 808, I guess. Because I, I had no idea. My beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, a lot of that is source stuff. Not the entire beat he's co-producing, but for uh, The Life of Pablo, even though there aren't liner notes yet, apparently everything is Kanye West with whoever else and not them with a little sprinkle of Kanye, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty cool. That is cool. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Especially because, I mean, there were reports in that you probably missed this uh, a few years ago because Big Sean's part of good music. And he straight up said, he goes, yeah, man, Kanye don't really mess with beats no more. Hmm. I think that's the exact quote. And it, that threw me off because I was like, really? I, I wouldn't think so because it was just a few years after, it was a, just like a year after Jesus or something, which I know that he did a decent amount with Jesus, but there was a lot of Rick Rubin. I know Hudson Mohawks all over the album, that type of stuff. Yeah, he uh, looking at the uh, get, uh, the written by list and the produce list here. Um, by the way, my eyes are crossing. There's so many names on the uh, written by and produced by uh, sections of this 
album compared to when we were back at college dropout days, you know, was basically like a smattering of people around just Kanye West doing mm-hmm. everything. Um, you know, like, like we, we talked about this a little bit before, but he's just got like, he's, he's stuffing these songs with people just like, like, how can you, I can't hear this person on this song. Like, you're just, you're just. That, <laughs> that actually leads to back to my overproduction thing. I forgot about another example and I don't want to jump too far to 30 hours, but 30 hours, I love the song. It has a lot of a feel of mm-hmm. the like outro track from the first album. Yeah. But, uh, when he brings in Andre 3000 just to barely sing 30 yes. hours, that's what we call overproduction. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really doing it, but I'm, I'm nodding my head so hard it hurts. Um, but yeah, that's exactly basically what I wrote down for that song. But okay, so feedback I think was another banger. Oh, dude, feedback's genius, and that's another one that I'm pretty sure uh, Hudson Mohawk had a little bit to do with the beat, which is cool because I've followed him since he was nothing in Ireland. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, dude, I used to tell you about Hudson Mohawk back at the newspaper and stuff. Oh. It's definitely, I've been following him since like 07, 08, hmm. that era. Okay. Well, that's He's cool. Amazing. The guy's a genius. He's a little bit cocky ever since he helped with the Mercy Bee, but wouldn't hmm. you? Sure. That was that was yeah. That was nothing to nothing to complain about. Um exactly. I thought the best line on that song was name one genius that ain't crazy because that definitely seems to be his MO, you know, <laughs> for all times of course, but lately especially. Oh, yeah. Um, I wonder. I, I, I like that. That line does stand out. To me. Yes. Um, I wonder if you took uh, the call out of the bloggers on that uh, personally in any way. Oh no, not at all. Because it's the truth, dude. I mean, that's the. I mean, one of the. I'm, I get excited when there's because we try. You know, Brotherhood tries not to because we just don't crank out stories as fast as uh, like Complex or Uproxx and stuff, but. I get excited when we at least have enough, when any kind of substantial Kanye news to make a post out of. Mm-hmm. Because it is the thing that gets the it gets the clicks, and that's just how it goes. I mean, you have to be, you know. There's for all the reasons that I love blogging. There's also reasons that I don't like it. So I'm more than fine with a uh, cynical view of it. Because yeah, I wasn't even saying that in a derisive way. Obviously, he cares enough to call. Like he doesn't. He, he's not calling you know people out that he doesn't care about the opinion of. Oh, exactly. Yeah. See, then that's the other thing too is that it's honestly it's just respect. I, you know, getting called out by Kanye is like getting called out by Eminem. You know, you know that you've made it. Right. Like if you were nothing, he wouldn't have to say anything, right? Exactly. This is the Cat Williams. You know, if you've got haters, you're doing something right. <laughs> exactly. It's funny because that's probably the best thing Cat Williams has ever done with his life. Oh man, his mugshot the other day. I didn't see the mugshot, but he's had some wild times. Crack cocaine. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, man. Oh, God, yeah. Cat Williams is a notorious cracker. Oh, that's unfortunate. He was so funny. Yeah. Um, Lowlights. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Gospel-y, sort of. No, Lowlights is one of the classic examples of not making a decision. What the hell is it? There isn't even Kanye on the damn song. It's just homegirl chatting. I'd love to just shut her up. She's more annoying than the 
chick on Drake's song Marvin's Room. Are you drunk right now? Yeah, bitch, deal with it. Okay, so now we've come to highlights. Did I liked the way he used Young Thug on that song, because Young Thug is another one of those flavor of the month uh, rappers. Although I think he'll end up, he's got a, he's been around for enough years now that he's pretty much established. Hmm. Kind of like the Little Wayne wine era drank even more lean and turned into Young Thug, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, and I like his weird sing-song, I-can't-understand-what-you're-saying style, and I like the way that Kanye uses his auto-tune with that, like the two of them kind of go back and forth. I thought that was cool interaction, because so often people have features and they don't interact. They don't go back and forth and shit. Well, you get the idea that they could have just emailed things to each other and never actually met in a room where they were both there. Yeah. Definitely. That's. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not like watch the throne type of interaction. Yeah, exactly. You can feel the chemistry on that. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, so okay. So we have freestyle four. Did you have anything on that? Oh, dude, I love it. freestyle four. Is one that I think is really cool because it kind of it's a little bit Jesus era because it's a bit mechanical and industrial. But the way the verses are and how it kind of flips and stuff, I thought it was a very, I thought it was cool because it's honestly almost kind of like an entire career in a song, sort of. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things, I liked it because it was super unique. It's not a song that I play for other people that often unless we're just listening to the album because I don't think you're going to blow anybody's mind with it. But as a longtime Kanye fan, it totally works. Yeah, I, I feel like if I listen to that song in five years, I'll be like, yeah, okay. I was going to say, as I've, because it sounds like you have, since the release, listened to it less than I have, because I've gotten into a thing. Usually albums never grow on me. Hmm. And it, because I'm the type of person, like I said, the very first play of 808s, I knew I loved it. And I'm, you know, I know who I am as a human. I know what I like sonically. And usually on the first listen of an album, I can tell whether it's going to get some play for me or not. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the few times where something continued to grow on me to where, you know, I like it a ton now. I've listened, I, honestly, I've probably listened to it four times since I got out of work yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times, shit, it starts raining. I'm like, let's throw on waves and let's get lost in our emotions. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I think I only do that because I have uh, a personality where I'll, uh, if I like something, I'll do it to death. So I almost, like, as a defense mechanism, don't let myself do that to things I know I'm going to like. Um, uh, well, that's a good idea because sometimes I can milk things too long. But at the same time, I also know my schedule. I kind of need to be over the life of Pablo by the end of this month because the new Drake is going to be coming and I need to be able to dedicate my time to that as well because right. you know what I mean that's another person I follow closely and I've been dying for this album all year sure exactly um, now we come to my favorite track actually now that I think about it uh, not favorite necessarily because I like listening to it but I feel like it's the emotional linchpin of the album which is that uh, acapella track I Love Kanye because it tells me that he listens to what people say about him he, he does understand your criticisms. It's not like he has a tin ear to that. It's just that he's doing this other thing. And almost what it reminded me of, and this is going to be a strange analogy, but I think you'll, you, you might follow where I'm going. Um, it reminded me of, on the White Stripes album, uh, White Blood Cells, where they had that like 45-second song called Little Room. 
I'm not familiar, but please go on. I'm very interested. Okay. So on White Blood Cells, the White Stripes big, huge album that everyone had initially. Oh, yeah. Um, there's like a 45-second song, and all it is is Meg White just banging on the bass drum. That felt to me, that was such a succinct statement, and it was so brief, and it let me know that this is our mission statement for the album. We know what we're doing, and you can just sit back and enjoy it. So that was kind of the same thing for me with I Love Kanye, because it told me where he was. It gave me like a preview of his, you you know, you're talking about, you know, grand statements. That was kind of his grand statement. It's like, I hear what you're saying. I know you think I'm crazy. Um, I know you, you used to like me more when I did these other things that you like so much in your past. But I'm doing this now, so just follow me. That's what I liked about this album. Like, wherever he wants to go was okay with me after I heard that. Yeah, I think you have a good point, because I think that is... I mean, honestly, I think that's everyone's favorite song, to an extent. Because uh, if you go on SoundCloud now, there's... I mean, every DJ is so excited, because that's just basically a Kanye acapella, which means they can produce their own Kanye song. Yeah, I've, I've heard some remixes. I've heard some remixes. <laughs> exactly. And so it's it's one of those things, and I think that, it, that those words said the exact same thing to you that they said to me, that they said to everyone else. It was like that little peek behind the curtain in uh, Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. You got to see exactly, you know, what was kind of driving Kanye for a moment. And it was it was a good minute. It was honest, and it was, I mean, that, that whole minute is so Kanye. I know, just the fact that he did that was, was the most Kanye thing he could have done. So, anyway. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Which, uh, the, I, let me transition this, because that actually then kicks off the best four-song run that Kanye has done on an album since Heartless, followed by Amazing, followed by Love Lockdown, followed by Paranoid, followed by Robocop on 808s with uh, Waves, FML, Real Friends, and Wolves. And we'll start with Waves. I just love the way that this goes. I love the the waves of emotion. I mean, I'm sorry, that's a pun off of the first song, but the way that it, the way that it flows, I like... I love uh, waves is so epic and broad waves is it's it's like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy went for a nature walk you know what I'm saying it's complex there is an it's all I mean to me it's almost a Chris Brown song and I think that's so cool because it's Kanye new to kind of lay back not that he doesn't have verses and stuff but he lets him do the thing that gives that song that vibe and that rides right there into probably my favorite feature of the album on FML with The weekend. Kanye, I think, used him perfectly on there. And I think the way that the the two, uh, they don't really go back and forth, but the way that the two pair is so perfect. And then the production of it, because FML, you know, is kind of multifaceted. It feels like an adventure ride that leads into the perfect landing spot of Real Friends, which is easily the most, uh, you know, college dropout song since college dropout. You know, it's got that soul feel. As soon as he let loose that on uh, SoundCloud, you know, a few weeks before the album came out, I was like, holy shit, I kind of feel like Kanye's relevant again. And so I've been a Real Friends fan since the drop. And then Wolves is, dude, that just gets me in my feelings. Every last bit of it. Especially the Frank Ocean appearance at the end. Guy, Frank, where's your new album? 
<laughs> yeah, man. Um, well, I'll just tell you what I wrote down for those. Um, you know, uh, let's go back to waves. Um, yeah, I thought. Well, I mean, wa- I just I look at that as a suite. I I don't know if Kanye would call it that, but to me, that's a suite of songs. Yeah, and that's interesting that you say that because we've already talked about how Kanye is basically deconstructing the idea of an album. But that is a very album thing to do is to have a suite of songs. Yeah. But, the funny part is, though, I, right before uh, he was doing the Yeezy Season fashion show where he played it at Madison Square Garden, that he wasn't going to put Waves on the album. And uh, old Chance the Rapper that helped write it, who also did the that awesome verse on um, Ultralight Beam, uh, he begged him. He was like, dude, we got to get this finished. Let's master it and let's put it on the damn album. And, man, I'm glad he did because, honestly, Waves is the song that after probably my third listen of the album, I find I, that was Waves was the song where I started to get his concept of what was going on. You know, that transition of I love Kanye and then Waves and what it leads into. I, it finally started making sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, I know. I wrote down for, uh, especially FML, uh, definitely a throwback to 808s. Oh, yeah, that is. It's, it, that, it's funny how it's like... Dark Twisted Fantasy into 808, into College Dropout, into maybe sort of a, a um, Yeezus type of thing. Because mm-hmm. Wolves is a little Yeezus, you know, when it drops into that, or, uh, yeah, when it ends up the whole way it leads to the Frank Ocean and stuff, you know, it's a little Yeezus-ish. Yeah, I definitely got that uh, got that connection. But that's kind of what I was saying before. It's like this is a, a summation of his entire career up to this point. Um, you know, you, you can spot those. I like that. I like that he has a backstory that I can reference with, like, oh, he's doing that now. I remember when he did that before, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. It's gotten to the point now, as, to go back to the very beginning of the podcast, when you said, you know, it's crazy that it's been 10 plus years now because it's turned into a thing you know Yeezy is kind of you too you have to think about freaking Joshua Tree if you're also going to evaluate that piece of shit that Apple put on all our phones you know (laughs) exactly um so yeah I thought FML was kind of the perfect Joshua Tree is a U2 album I did not yeah it is yeah 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 I I had the cassette tape I don't really know U2 I know Rattle and Hum is that an album yeah it was a live album after Joshua Tree (laughs) perfect there you go that's the end of my U2 knowledge (laughs) and I'm out mic drop (laughs) (laughs) exactly tip your bartenders (laughs) exactly Um, no I thought uh, FML in some ways was the perfect Kanye song because um, it kind of has that uh, vibe from the 808s, like I said. It's emotional. Um, and he talks about Lexapro, which he's talked about a fair amount, um, which kind of leads me into something else. Uh, do you think he is on a Michael Jackson cocktail, and is that part of his erratic behavior lately? Is, is he's- I was going to say, do you think that he might, to quote the song, be off his Lexapro? <laughs> he told us. He tried to tell us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't be surprised if he was like bipolar or something. Sure, absolutely. You know, it's, really, it's funny. I Kanye's one of the few artists that I genuinely think of in that Van Gogh kind of realm where mm-hmm. you have to remember the madness. Because so often now, you know, artists are great at hiding it and they kind of condition themselves to the way things are, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, but I think that that can. I mean, we don't know if like Banksy's like back home crying, listening to Drake right now. You know? I mean, he's just, he's just secret. So. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I think his insanity drives his genius. The, 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 they rub right up against each other. And, and, you know, I feel like if he wasn't crazy, we wouldn't have all the great music we have, you know? Definitely. It has to be, man. To be truly great at something, you basically have to sacrifice everything else. You know, if I wanted to be super shredded, I could do that, but also would never be home. I would never be eating. Sure as shit wouldn't be out, like, at the friends and stuff. You know, I mean, you just have to pick your battles. I think right now Kanye's dealing with being pulled in a million directions, you know, because Kim ain't going to have him being gone at the fashion house all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, now, uh, Real Friends was one of the Good Friday songs, right? Yeah, that was the original Good Friday. Well, technically, um, sorry, uh, Facts was the first Good Friday song, and then the next weekend was, uh, What's It Tell? Real Friends. Because it's funny, Facts came out, and when I heard that it was this Nike diff, I didn't even pay attention because I thought, oh, this is just going to be one of those stupid one-offs from Kanye, similar mm-hmm. to uh, Too Cold and those, you know what I mean, those other rando songs that come out just to see if he's still relevant. Right, right. Um, and other things I, I love about Real Friends is that his, um, he may have mentioned this before on the album, but he definitely mentions it later, um, the laptop that was stolen by his cousin. Oh, yeah, I love that shit, dude. That uh, is another thing that cemented my uh, deep affection for this album because the Kanye of the Yeezus era, I don't think would have told us about a Kanye laptop being stolen by a family member, nor giving him a quarter of a million dollars. I know, like, and he, he's so bitter about that <laughs> that, that he comes like back to it like two or three times. Like he's like so upset, and it's like he's apparently fifty three million dollars in debt, but he's obsessing over this like quarter million that he dropped for this laptop that was like. Incredible. And he brings it up over and over, and I, I love that. Like it's like, yes, I finally understand you, Kanye. Yes, I, I get where you're coming from. <laughs> no, that is and the the cousin laptop is one of those things. I see that come up in the comments section on hypebeast.com and stuff. It's it's one of those moments that it's become like a cultural thing for sure. Right, exactly. Um, now you mentioned wolves as well, but like, now there is there different versions of that song? Is there? There been... are. I never listened to the one that played during the original because Kanye had three collections of clothes. Only two have released. The third one was just showcase for the first time recently. But uh, when the very first season was showcased, wolves was played. Hmm. Well, I never listened to it because I'm not going to listen to somebody's iPhone record crap inside of a Paris fashion house. I'd rather just wait until it comes out. And so I haven't listened to the multiple iterations. I believe that the reason of the delay is there's a version where during the silence, I think during the silence preceding Frank Ocean, there's supposed to be a verse from Sia, you know, Homegirl with the Bangs. Yep. Asian voice, chandelier, all that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's going to end up being on the deluxe edition or whatever. I hope that it is because that sounds really cool. And after seeing Sia's edition of Carpool Karaoke, I'm officially amazed by her skills. Mm-hmm. Um, even with or without, because the version that I that copy of the life Pablo I have obviously does not have her. I have. I know that there's a rough edition floating around with her. I have no interest in finding out unless it becomes official, 
But as is, Wolves is, dude, Wolves gets me all up in my feelings, dude. Yeah, it's really good. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, so I still don't quite get exactly what about the whole idea of Mary in the club without Joseph. Because <laughs> I'm not even religious, really. But something about that visual of the juxtaposition, you know what I mean, of now times, then times, the idea of these people that created, you know, what is considered the savior, what, you know what I'm saying? Not that they, Joseph and Mary actually bumped uglies. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. I the imagery, and I'm still, it's something that, because the album still feels relatively new with me, I'm, I haven't exactly figured out what about that resonates with me, but there's just something about that idea and being surrounded by the wolves mm-hmm. and then, you know, the ring being all ringed out. Right. I love it. God, that Frank Ocean verse. Where the hell is his album? <laughs> Seriously. That's, if you want to, honestly, we could do an entire podcast just of Channel Orange, his hmm. last album. I Seriously, it's the most important thing to happen to music since Yoshimi battles the pink robots, dude. Wow, really? I think so. Oh my god, I can go back to that thing. That movie is, or that album is like a movie. It is just this amazing portrait of life from a crackhead in Arkansas all the way to a spoiled kid in San Bernardino. You know, it's amazing. Hmm. Well, yeah, that would be a whole other podcast for sure. Yeah, um, that, I mean, that's a, hell, that was about half a podcast right there. I'll, I'll try and be more succinct. No, no, no. That was that was a good summation of that four song suite. And you're right. I mean, this is something that Kanye does. He has a story he wants to tell, and he weaves things together. And it's nice to see him being able to do that again. Exactly. For just four songs, it's got that that cohesion of the very best albums. Right. Yeah, I mean, the rest of the album doesn't really connect in the same way. No, after Wolves, it kind of drops out. Yeah. What the hell, what is the song after Wolves? Well, it's the Silver Surfer intermission, which I wanted to talk about because it's a... Earthathon move right there. Like, why in the hell you would put that on there? I mean, come on. If you're going to call out Wiz and you're going to get in this whole deal over knowing who bum-ass Max B is, it's like, I knew who Max B was. I also knew that he was a boner that's in prison for the next 89 years. Whether he did it or not, that's all you need to know. You know what I'm saying? Like, whatever, dude. Invented, schminvented. Nothing is original, Wiz. There's a little fact for you. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just felt so, so thirsty to put on a recording of Max B telling Kanye it's all good. Like, don't worry, Hood. I'm validated. Yeah, right. It was the white thing Kanye could do. You know what I mean? If I made the album, that's probably what I'd have. It's it's phony on multiple levels, mostly because of what you said. And I also wrote down something similar, but uh, it uh, amused me to find out when I looked at the credits that um, the uh, the people featured on this song are Max B, not song, it's an intermission, but um, the people featured on this intermission are Max B and French Montana, who is for some reason the guy that says like one thing and is like credited on the song. Yet, yet another time when Kanye couldn't resist just name dropping in the credits, which like, could no one else have called Max B and had this weird cosign for you? except for funny French Montana. <laughs> I'm going to drop a little rap knowledge on you. Actually, French Montana probably is the only person that could get a hold of Max B. Really? 
because he's in prison, he's still somehow recording music. Hmm. That French B and, and uh, or French B, French Montana and Max B <laughs> just had a mixtape come out together called Wave God. Oh. And so I have a feeling, especially because that definitely Silver Surfer intermission was thrown in at the last second. Mm-hmm. And because French Montana used to date Khloe Kardashian, Kanye was able to get a hold of him oh. to have him do this. Okay. And, uh, he had French Montana is probably one of the few people that had access to Max B because they were working on the album together. Okay, well I did not and know that. French, honestly, the way that I knew Max B, besides re- realizing, oh yeah, he went on a couple Diplomat songs back in 2003. Which, if we sat here and went through the Diplomat's catalog of songs with Max B, you might recognize a couple and be like, oh no shit. Mm-hmm. Either way, the very first or one of the most recent times that I'd heard Max B was on a song with French Montana. Over for a remix Daft Punk beat that's super lit. Okay. Well, uh, I stand corrected then. That was that was good to know. Yeah, so there you go. Hood knowledge. French Montana, your key to Max B. Interesting. Okay. Um, so oh, also, French yep. Montana said on uh, Hot 96 that at the time of that beef, that honestly Kanye didn't know who the hell Max B was at all. <laughs> well, that, that makes me laugh. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I was I was blown away, and honestly, I, I it's funny. I can't believe that Kanye didn't get torn apart by everybody. I got on Twitter to see if people were going to get yitty about it, and they didn't. And I was so surprised because I knew who Max B was. Come on, I'm Zach Sample, dude. You're Kanye freaking West. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what do you want to say about 30 Hours? You talked a little bit about it before. Um, I like it a lot, but what do you think? Yeah, I like it a lot. I like the vibe of it and stuff, but it was, I just, the, the bringing in Andre 3000 felt like another one of those reaches. Mm-hmm. I felt exactly but the same way. Kind of also, I, you could say that it's indicative of who Kanye is now, because I think that now more than anything, to kind of bring it back to the idea of, what this album is, what Kanye is at in general now. I think that he's not just a, I don't think that he's just an artist. I think he's a curator. Hmm. I think that he's somebody who can create, but I think he also knows how to put together the best display. Mm-hmm. You know, he knew to let Chris Brown take over waves. He knew to kind of do these things, and now he's curating this fashion. It's like everything is art. Yeah, exactly. I feel exactly the same way. Um, yeah, it's just it, it was so funny to hear that because I remember I was only looking for for Andre three thousand because I remember seeing a picture of Andre three thousand pretty recently in the studio with Kanye, and I was like, oh, so he's gonna like rap a verse or something? So it was gonna be Andre three thousand feature, and then I like listened to the entire album and I was like. Oh, I, I thought Andre 3000 was supposed to be on this, and then I went back, and he was the guy that says, like, one thing, and it's like, could be anybody, and it's like, you're going to get the maybe, arguably, arguably the, one of the top five living rappers in the world, and you're just going to get him to say, you know, 30 hours, you know, that's all he's going to say. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, like like it. if you had access, if you're a producer, you have access to Andre 3000. Is that all you're going to do with them? Like I feel like you're committing some sort of crime by like not using him more. If they're going to do that, do it, man. Like I want I want to hear more from Andre 3000. Who doesn't want to? 
Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Honestly, I don't know. I don't. It's, you'd have to know what was going on in the studio mm-hmm. exactly, because it's like I don't know if Kanye is bringing over people just to show the the finished product, mm-hmm. or if he's literally sitting there and creating on the fly. I, you know, I'm not positive exactly how that goes. I'm also not sure if it's a thing where. You know, Andre says, oh, I'm on Arista, I can't do this for, you know, free, blah, 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 that type mm-hmm. of stuff. Sure, I mean, and that's partially just me being thirsty for another, uh, you know, Outcast album, but that's just my own. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, but No More Parties in L.A., uh, that was another banger. Um, I, I oh, loved God. Kendrick's verse was great. some of Kanye's best rap work in a long time. Oh, right. I totally whereas agree. There are highs and lows on the album, whereas there's a lot of lows, that's definitely his whole, all 96 of those bars or whatever, pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Now, Fax was another one that was released before the album, right? Yeah. Okay. That was one of those. It was cool that they put that uh, Charlie Heath, that uh, producer that Kanye signed to his label, did like a remix of it or whatever. Mm. But I wasn't into it then. The remix does nothing for me now. It's basically a song that I don't, in my mind, I look at the list of songs and I don't even see it. I just visually skip it. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Um, now, uh, he mentions his uh, 2020 presidential campaign in this song. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> Oh, I find it hilarious. I don't really think it'll end up happening. Yeah, me either. It's fine. Truthfully, I'm a little more scared of 2016, so I'm just going to try to stay in the now on that one. Yeah, we we could do a whole other podcast about that one. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, one funny thing is that because since I'm not totally plugged in with the Kardashian, uh, you know, universe and the whole personal side of this, he kept mentioning Nori, and I know now that that is his uh, child, North, right? Yeah. Okay. So I kept thinking that he was referring to the rapper N-O-R-E. Um, oh, we, that'd be hilarious. Who we haven't heard from in a in a, in a a long time. And I was like, man, Kanye is really talking up Nori, and I haven't heard anybody mention Nori in quite a while. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Oh, my God. I actually saw a picture of Nori on media takeout probably two or three years ago. And, I don't think he's going to be trying any kind of comeback. Oh, no. oh no. boy. That's the, he, well, he at least should go to the treadmill for a minute or so, you know. Mm-hmm. His, 40s or 50s caught up with him. Nori was never young. He blew up when he was like 38. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he looked old from the time that he was, you know, young relatively. So. Exactly. Exactly. Old soul. Right. Um, and that also that song also, The Facts, also features a uh, shout-out to Bill Cosby, and then that kind of pairs with his tweet about Bill Cosby. Oh, what do you make of all that? Uh, just a typical Kanye flip-flop. <laughs> I, I, you know, I like to let the, uh, the him kind of clowning Cosby on the song, I kind of let that resonate with me more, because I'd like to think that at this point, it's, you know, to, as, to give yourself kind of a catharsis, because, dude, I loved Bill Cosby, too. It's fucked up to think he's such a creep, mm-hmm. but, you know... So it goes. Yeah, sure. Um, and then Fade, which is the last song, uh, I thought was Oh, my it. God, I love Fade so much. That's like, that is the unsung banger. Not to mention, it's really cool that Fade is literally like house music. You could hmm. probably, you know, like Diplo could play that at 
electronic daisy and murder the world because of that, you know, something for a floor house beat. And uh, <laughs> I love how it kind of, it's, I don't know, maybe I'm mentally making a jump or I'm missing something in the explanation, but to me it feels like the perfect way to wind up and go back to the ultralight beam. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it needed that. It needed to come back to that theme that he said at the beginning. Exactly. And it's, oh, I just love it, man. I like I like Post Malone. I fell in love with the White Iverson song that he had last year. And uh, so it was just one of those things. I was naturally going to like it. And that once that beat kicks in, I'm like, okay, this is dope. Mm-hmm. For sure, man, for sure. Um, I noticed that I'm looking at Kanye's Twitter now, now that we've gone through the whole album, uh, because this album is really, like, very current. He talks about very current things. Um, you know, in facts, kind of could to go back to a little bit on that, he, he definitely is talking about, wasn't that Jumped Over Jump Man? Doesn't he mention that in that song? He mentions that in facts, yeah, where he's talking about the increase in Adidas' sales and stuff. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's an immediate. And thing. I mean, it's, it's funny because I mean, just to under just to explain, Nike makes about thirty billion dollars a year. Adidas makes about eight to eleven billion. Hmm. <laughs> now for twenty uh, for. Um, 2016 or whatever, they'll do substantially better. They'll probably be like in the 16 billion mark or so. And Nike will probably go down to maybe like 28. But overall, uh, they haven't exactly jumped over Jumpman. Although at right now in the fashion world, retro Jordans are much less popular than the new Kanye shoes. Hmm. Interesting. And honestly, just they're less popular than Adidas in general. Funny enough, uh, the Adidas Ultra Boost has now become the most popular selling running shoe in the United States, and Nike had that title forever. Hmm. I did not know. Yeah, that I would that totally escaped me. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well, so there you go. That's a little something I call the Kanye effect because before the Yeezys came out, Kanye was already wearing all of Adidas's other shoes, and. Uh, I think he did like a one-off show in Paris or something, and he performed in the all-white Ultra Boosts, and the all-white Ultra Boosts are now like Adidas' most popular selling shoe. Hmm. Wow, okay, well that makes a little more sense now. I didn't really understand that whole line of attack or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, it's still it's unsubstantiated bullshit facts Kanye style, but it wouldn't have <laughs> any other way. Yeah, so I mean, I guess we should probably talk a little bit about his album that he's announced, um, which you seem to think is not happening. Um, oh, which, yeah, I don't believe it for the fucking life of me. Huh. And it's, I'm going to have to see tweets all the way through June to really believe that this is coming. And when he says this summer, the earliest I think we could see it is October. Hmm. Why do you think he's doing this again? Why is he telling us uh, his moves months and months ahead of time? Is he insecure about how this album was received, or is he like... Definitely, like, definitely. Because <sighs> Tidal doesn't release the numbers of... Uh, it released its numbers of subscribers, but it doesn't release the number of streams and stuff. So, like, The Life of Pablo has not charted on Billboard yet. Hmm. And ultimately, if it ever does release, it'll chart very low because it's, I mean, come on, we're, we've already digested it. Right. And so, I think, I, I, mean, I think that he's seeing the error of his ways. Hmm. 
It, it feels a little desperate. It's kind of scary. Yeah, it makes me wonder what exactly statement he's going to make with this album if all he's doing is to make an album to make an album. Like, is that all we're doing now? I mean, that's not why I pay attention. Well, kind of. See, that's the thing, though, that rap like, change like that. Kendrick Lamar just put out this thing of B-sides of to, Pimp, of to Pimp a Butterfly, and people are going nuts. Hmm. So yeah, you kind of have to have that. I mean, think about it. Drake out of nowhere last year came out of came out with. If you're reading this, it's too late. Hell, I listened to that from January to June. Hmm. And so that's the way you know with the with streaming and everything. Yeah, dude, Future came out with the Purple Rain mixtape in January, and it is amazing. And then a week and a half later, came out with an entire album on iTunes, like. Nobody is not hustling right now. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's a young man's game in a lot of ways, but, I mean, Kanye really set the bar for that, you know. Um, oh, exactly. And so now he's kind of playing the game, you know. It's, the truth is, it's not bad to, you know, like you can, you know, some certain people are the leaders all the time. It's okay every now and then to follow suit, hmm. but do it better. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to do it first, but you can do it better. That's absolutely true. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's like a knock that where it's all of a sudden like, oh, Lord, how could we respect Kanye West? He came out with two albums really recent, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It's just weird because it took three years between... You know, Jesus and, and this last one, and, and now it's like he's just shooting for Creedence Clearwater clip of three albums in a year or something, and it's like, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, you know, I hope it doesn't turn into like Alice Cooper or Too Short. You know? <laughs> it's great you have 24 albums. I wish you didn't have 22 of them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, we've, we've talked for almost three hours, believe it or not, and I am oh, so. Yeah, no, I was going to say, I'm getting to the end of my battery sadly no it's okay it's okay i thank you so much for jumping on the phone here i'm gonna leave uh, us with a thought from kanye from yesterday on his twitter um i promised obama i'm gonna do beats on Nas's next album <laughs> oh my god i love it <laughs> I, I i so hope that every word of that is true <laughs> I do, too, and I really hope that we get a reaction out of Obama, which we will, because you know once he leaves office, he's going to be the most G-ex-president ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's, He'll let's, be on Dancing with the Stars and shit. It's yeah. going to be crazy. Yeah. he uh, He's going to put Jimmy Carter to shame. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, uh, it was great talking to you, man. Is there anything else you want to say before we go that I didn't get to? No, I just want to say thanks for having me. I had a blast. That was a ton of fun breaking that down. I really haven't uh, thought of a lot of those things recently, so that was a cool way to kind of jog my memory. Oh, absolutely, dude. I hope you come back soon, and, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you doing it. Um, well, yeah, let's let's think about uh, what we want to do next, because like we've talked about this whole time, we've, we've probably brought up a dozen things that we could just spew about for just endless amounts of time, so I really want to do this again and, you know, think of things that we could talk about which shouldn't be that hard. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, thank you again. I hope you have a good one, Burgess. It was awesome catching up with you, dude. Cool. All right, awesome. Talk to you soon, man. All right, take care. Later.
Oh, oh, oh.